Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Josue. I've been reading so many great, great gay books, but we'll talk about those after the show, or late show. Yeah, definitely. They're awesome. Uh, yeah, happy Pride Month, everyone, as we march through Pride. I'm very uh, excited to go over, again, as Josue said, some gay books. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we, of course, are here to talk about the week of comics. Yes. Uh, however, before we jump in, we're going to talk about a little bit of news. Uh, don't have a ton this week, but I have a couple things I want to bring up. Um, first of all, I'd like to start off with uh, talking about how somehow Rob Layfield is still getting work with Marvel. So dumb. And I would just like to make a quick plea to Marvel to please get rid of Rob Layfield because he's a horrible person. Yep. Josue, um, I thought this would be very funny. Um, Colleen Duran, who I really enjoy, was uh, she, she put up a tweet and it was about, uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up because I want to read it to you. Um, it was about people who, um, oh yeah, she, she was talking about back when she got started in comics, a lot of writers weren't, weren't, uh, giving artists co-creator, uh, like status. They weren't saying they were co-creators. They right. were saying they were the sole creators. And she was talking about how awful that was and everything. And Rob Layfield, of all people, had the balls to reply, wow, I never had any try that. Sorry to hear you literally don't give Fabian the Caesar for co- credit for co-creating Deadpool that is on your literally Twitter why bio. That's blocked me. That's that exactly what I thought. Yeah. That's literally why the fucker blocked me, because I called him out for that. Oh, that ugh, pretentious fuck. <laughs> I know, right? Like, So, fuck Rob Leifeld. You <sighs> in, in, in the race of the seven original image people, you were in seventh place. Just so you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but that just pisses me off. Very. Especially that, especially that Rob Layfield, after criticizing Vida Ayala. Yeah, I'm not coming in to save the fucking book. Like, are you kidding me? And you're there as a backup for a cover for a variant? Like, dude, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, no one wants this cover except for guys you don't want buying your comics. So, yeah. There you go. Just want to get that out there because that was pissing me off. Um, next up. Uh, Webtoon got in a little bit of a oh boy, a bit of a controversy. <laughs> uh, they put a they put an ad up, which I, I assume was well meaning, but um, was really stupid. Um, it's just it's just kind of like tone deaf. There's basically, yes. basically insulting everyone that Everyone? they work for or that works for them uh, or publishes with them because they're not employees, I guess. But basically saying comics are literature's fun side hustle. Um, comics are literature, <laughs> so that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> but uh, they were quick to apologize, which of course they were because they knew they were going to lose a lot of creators, especially, oh, I don't know, Lore Olympus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> gets millions and millions of views every every week. Um, yeah. It's ridiculous, dude. Like, I, so stupid. But um, at least they apologized. But still, I, it obviously went viral for a bit. Mm-hmm. Twitter took over. So, um, next up, let's talk about um, Tim Drake. Tim Drake is getting his new solo series, Tim Drake Robin. Finally, yeah. Um, it took. I all guess. Interesting. I mean, I guess it's fine. Um, I don't like Tim Drake. We've talked about this in the past, but I mean, it's fine. Um, I didn't. I, did, I noticed you didn't pick up the Tim Drake 
Pride special. Oh, I, I did, but I didn't read it. Okay, it's just it's just his story from uh, Batman: Urban Legends. Oh, I fucking that. Oh, I fucking knew it, and that's kind of not. Fair. I was gonna warn you, and I'm like, he's not gonna pick that up. <laughs> I, got, I got it because I assumed that this was his first solo book since Future State, because he hasn't really been around except for those that you've mentioned in um, Urban Legends, which kind of kind of doesn't really count. Uh, but now it's all collected, so I guess it does count. <laughs> it's just uh, a reprint of the the three the three part story. Son of a bitch, they got me. They fucking got me. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so he's gonna have his own solo series now. This is very interesting. It launches in September. It's gonna be written by Megan Fitzmartin, who has done a lot of really good work on Batman: Urban Legends. Mm-hmm. And the art is gonna be Riley Rossmo, who just left Harley Quinn. Oh, like that? Nice. Yeah, because we were talking about that's Harley or, or Riley's last. Pay, uh, issue of Harley. Yeah. And I was talking about it's not going to be the same. Wonder what's going on. Maybe this is what's going on, you know? So very curious to see what happens there. And also, I really want to see Riley draw Tim. So I'll probably pick up the series. It's a really right, smart that, move. That, that tone <laughs> on that book with, with them on, on drawing it, it's, it's kind of a shift. I, I'm, I'd be curious on it too. Yeah. Um, other news. Uh, Dan Slott's era of Fantastic Four is coming to an end. Yay! No, I I like Dan Slott. He's fine. People are haters. I know uh, the main. It seems like the main reason people don't like him is because he made Franklin not a mutant, and I guarantee you that wasn't his decision. That kind of thing doesn't come from a writer. That comes from editorial. Because like, from a writer, and then getting permission from editorial. Well, no, no. I here's my conspiracy theory because this is what sounds very accurate. They want all the mutants associated with Krakoa and no others. That's why there's no mutants on the Avengers right now. And so this is one of those outlying mutants. And so they had to clean up the story. We had to we have to make sure, okay, where is he? But he's so specific. And I understand, but it's I'm I'm telling you this directive came from Marvel. Unless he specifically said this was my idea, and I've never seen him say that. I guarantee you this came from editorial saying, listen, we don't want Franklin to be a mutant anymore. Can you make a story out of it? We'll see when they quickly backtrack it when he's out of, out of the book. I don't think they will, to be honest with you. And so uh, I think that was the intended plan. I don't think they wanted that connection between the Fantastic Four. They don't have to explain why the mo- one of the most powerful mutants isn't on Krakoa. You know, like, I, I just think it's just a simple story is the only reason they did it. So that's just me. But, um... But yeah, so it is going to be ending fairly soon, and uh, I did not pick up the newest issue, uh, but a lot of stuff happened, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to spoil it. It was it was really cool because I did get spoiled of what happened. A lot of stuff happened, uh, and obviously the um, the Fantastic Four family is in full force because you got the four, you got the kids, but then you also got the the scroll and. Um, Free kid, and then Alicia Masters is really heavily involved. Like it's like like a ten person team at this point. So, Jeez. um, but let's just say there was a really cool like power boost, is what I'll say. We'll just leave it at that. So <laughs> with somebody, so uh, check it out if you guys like Fantastic Four. So next up, um, just so we're not ending with it because it's sad. I don't want to end with it. Tim Sale, legendary comic artist tim sale has passed away um unfortunately you know he's at the age of 66 he passed away we did get word he went into the hospital about a day before he passed and he did pass um most of you will know him as the artist of batman long halloween 
which was one of the big influences on the Batman movie. Um, so, and also so many other things. Uh, the colors, the col- the colors books. Yeah, a lot of stuff with Jeff Loeb. Worked with Jeff Loeb quite a bit. So, um, really sad, and just seeing Twitter kind of like talk about it has been really interesting. Um, the man had this understanding with uh, fucking uh, Selena Kyle too. Like yeah. her, her solo book, the When in Rome. Uh, that one I deserve a revisit. I got that from the library a long time ago. Yeah, he's an Eisner winner. Um, and Superman for All Seasons is the one that always jumps out of me with him. Mm-hmm. I always really, that's one of my favorite Superman look minis. I thought that was really good. Um, he also did a Wolverine Gambit miniseries that uh, was was really kind of cool. Like I liked a lot. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just seeing the internet or Twitter talk about him. I haven't seen a negative thing said. I haven't seen a single person show anything but utmost respect. So that's always really nice to see when someone you know, passes on. So, um, but yeah, uh, next up, uh, you know, the cover of the dark Knight returns, right? With the lightning bolt yeah. where he's doing the little ninja pose, right? <laughs> the original cover art has sold. Oh shit. For $2.4 million. Fuck. Oh my God. Wow. I know, like, let that sink in. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Um, but, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's it's obviously an iconic book, so it makes sense. But uh, interesting, interesting choice. 2.4, for the, for, it's not that old, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like from the 40s, so it's really interesting, so. Um, and then next up, Marvel's currently doing a multimedia-like mystery to help us solve things before Steve Rogers in the new Captain America book. Oh. And it's all based on like a, a puzzle and like a thing you have to like actually translate. And yeah, it's really cool. I don't want to talk about it too much because we haven't gotten confirmation of what um what it is going to be or what it actually means. I've seen some Twitter theories. I've seen our friend Chris Franey with a pretty significant theory. Ooh. And, and so, out. yeah, but um, definitely speaking towards uh, what's going to happen. This is on the cover of Captain America 4, by the way, Sentinel Liberty 4, which isn't gotcha. even out yet. But people are already, like, looking into it. And, yeah, really interesting. So check that out. And then my last thing I want to talk about is, I'm very excited here. Now, we all got to look at Midnight Suns, the game. And I'll be honest with you. After you told me it was a card game, I went and looked. It's not really a card game. It's just, like, the powers are, like, they take the form of cards in your hand. Yeah. But it's it's, it's like XCOM is really what it is. So it's like a strategy game. So, um, But I was really disappointed when you told me that. I went and watched some footage. I'm like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> like, it's not like a collectible card game. Um, but uh, along with that, Marvel has announced a new five-issue limited Midnight Suns series. The series will see a new team of Midnight Suns, nice. including Blade, Kushala from Ghost Rider. Ooh, fuck yeah. Ileana, Nico from yeah. Runaways, and Zoe Laveau from Strange Academy. Ooh. Yes. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. They gather together to form a team to defend the planet from a new source of evil. Um, and I love this bit. It's like, uh, here's, the, here's their synopsis. A dark prophecy and apocalyptic new villains with horrifying powers the likes of which Earth has never faced before ordains a team of Midnight Suns to rise and tear shit up. But what does this new threat have to do with the Sorcerer's Remains past? And why is Strange Academy student Zoe Laveau number one on the Suns list? 
Oh, shit. Yeah, right? Also, on the cover is Wolverine, by the way. They don't mention him in the that, but mm. he's very clear on the cover, so I don't know why. Um, along with this, it should be, uh, I should tell you that creative team has been announced. Uh, writer Ethan Sachs and artist Luigi Zagaria. So, no, Luigi, Luigi Zagaria. There we go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, there is a cover. So, I'll send that to you. Because uh, I haven't sent you any art yet this week. It's got to be a first. Um, but yeah, I think it looks pretty cool. Um, I like that they're, I like the look of Zoe, even though she is in the back. Yeah. Um, I I want more Nico and stuff in general. I know. And for sure, you, Nico needs to just like branch out. For, like I love her in the Runaways, but like definitely be yeah. more in the MU. And if you see Kushala, is the spirit rider? Oh, this. she's henching out. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So. Very, very cool. I'm very excited about that. Um, I loved Midnight Suns. Yeah, it still keeps threatening to make us read it over and over. But yeah. Um, other than that, that's all the news I got. Do you have anything? I do. Uh, I guess there was an update for that there will be um, on Disney Plus an MCU Halloween special. Did you see that? They got they have a director with uh, Michael Giancino who like com- he, he has com- he's composed a book, little nerdy stuff. Which some MCU stuff too. He 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 composed the three Spider-Man films and the first uh, Doctor Strange. But yeah, I heard that was coming. Uh, it was on their it was on their timeline, but we got no details about it. Yeah, I, I think it's just like still very early on though. Because again, yeah, like they got the comp- we talked about it about a month ago, but it was literally just on a timeline. And that was mm-hmm. it. Like everybody's like, "What's this?" It was like a big question mark. So yeah, I guess like, um, there's more details where maybe like it'll like I guess it'll be Werewolf by Night focused. Ooh, I do love that. Yeah, I know. I, I fucking love that too. And then like with Midnight, <laughs> we just talked just talking about Midnight Sun. So, oof, like hopefully. And it's just like it's it's so weird. This is kind of like one of his first more, like, I guess, like serious projects like, to to direct. He's just strictly been composing. Um, for directing, he's just had a uh, television like for like I guess like Star Trek short tracks. So it's like yeah, just short stuff, short films, and just that. So I guess like they give him this like Disney Plus thing. Yeah. I mean, and it's on his wiki do, too. Untitled Marvel Halloween special too. Yeah, they're kind of doing that right now, where they're giving people without a ton of directorial experience mm-hmm. uh, these opportunities. Uh, we were talking about the um, the guy given Thunderbolts. He doesn't have a ton of experience except in TV. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, that's really interesting though. Yeah, awesome. Anything else? Uh, no, I just I want to see a highlight. Uh, Werewolf by Night. If it's if it is real, I wish I really hope it is. Yeah. Oh, and the Wonder Man. Yeah, they're gonna go. They're developing. It's really early on. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like in the same way. Yeah, they're developing a Wonder Wonder Man show. Um, no word on Nathan Fillion if he's gonna play the character or not. <laughs> which he technically already plays the character in the MCU, but they could easily write that out. So, because um, he was in, so he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so he right. Was in a, he was in like a poster in the background as Simon Williams. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because James Gunn loves him. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good casting, but he is getting a little old. So. Oh, for sure. Still want him as Nathan Drake in case anyone's listening. Just in case. <laughs> um, all right. But yeah. So let's go ahead and move on and talk about some comic books. Uh, as always, we start on the show, not with a bang, but a boom and boom studios. We got a couple books this week. I'm going to start off with Angel number six. Um, I did mention 
last time I was thinking about maybe I'm done with the book. Maybe I one one volume is enough. But mm-hmm. yeah, they got me hooked in this one too. <laughs> Rist- written by Christopher Cantwell, illustrated by Daniel Bayless, colored by Patricio Del Pech, with color assist by Maria Agostino Vallejo, and letter by Becca Carey. Um, this one is it's really a, an arc about Spike and Angel, and I love Spike. That's why I said I'm going to stay with this arc because it's about Spike. And it's kind of like there's alternate dimension versions of Angel and Spike who are evil, who are coming to kill them. And Spike is doing this whole struggle to hold on to his humanity thing, which I always thought was way more compelling with Spike than Angel during the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Angel was given his soul. Wait, did you watch Buffy at all? I mean, for the most part, yeah. I never, I I wasn't like, I wasn't old enough to like kind of want to catch it up on a weekly basis. But it was just like more kind of reruns and stuff. But I I got what you mean though. I get where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah, Angel was given his soul against his will. Spike wanted to get his soul back. Spike wanted to be a good guy. Angel was forced to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. So that's always made Spike more compelling for me. And that's why I thought it was kind of weird that, you know, the way everything is portrayed in that show. So, yeah, but, yeah. But it is what it is. So, um, But yeah, it's a really good s- story. Uh, there's a great bit about Angel because he's a movie star and television star in this world. Mm-hmm. It's off filming as Van Helsing in a movie, which is great. <laughs> Um, and then that's when he runs into his evil self from his alternate dimension and gets attacked. It's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, so I'll probably stick with it. at least through this volume. We'll see. Uh, Christopher Cantwell is really good. He always gets me hooked. So <laughs> he's a great writer. Yeah, and really knows these characters very well. So um, next up, my next boom book is Alice Ever After number three. <laughs> this book is a trip. I love it. Created by Dan Panosian, but written by Dan. Uh, Two different illustra- illustrators, uh, the London illustration by Giorgio Spalletta, the Wonderland illustration by Dan Panosian, colored by Fabiano Mascalo, and lettered by Jeff Ackleberry. Uh, this is one of, obviously, that's the retelling of the Alice in Wonderland myth, and uh, with Alice being a girl who's addicted to heroin, basically. Yeah. Um, you find out more about what her damage is, and it's really creepy. Like, her dad is like the royal dentist, right? Uh so this is like Victorian times. He's the royal dentist and he's really good at his job and stuff. And his main job is basically making dentures. Right. And they talk about, Oh yeah, people usually use this stuff to make dentures, but they never look as good as real teeth. And sometimes people are willing to sell their teeth, but you know, not enough to make the supply. So you find out her dad was a grave robber and would rip people's teeth out once they're buried No shit to make into dentures. And then one day his wife died and he was mourning her and he was looking at a picture of her and was basically like, she always had such a beautiful smile. And then there's a moment where Alice goes to talk to her dad and he has the corpse of her mom with him pulling her teeth out. And that's no. basically what, what caused her fucking damage. So, Oh my God. Okay. I know. It's, it took a really dark ass turn. And... Yeah, it's really interesting. And she's going through all this while high off her mind, basically. So mm-hmm. uh, ever since then, her dad basically, to calm her down, gave her a little bit of drugs. Just to calm her down after that, when she was oh. a little kid. And ever since then. And then you go back and read the first issue where everybody's like, Alice is such a piece of shit. Including her dad is just like, such a useless piece of shit. All she does is take drugs. And I'm like, it's your fucking fault, asshole. Like, huh. it really took an interesting turn. I yeah. really, really like this. Um, But yeah. Which brings us to our final boom book, and quickly becoming one of my favorites, Grim Number Two. I got oh fuck cover. yeah! Oh, that's a good cover. <laughs> yeah, Virgin cover, love it. Uh, Grim Number Two, uh, written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Flaviano, 
color by Rico Renzi and letter by Tom Napolitano. Um, this has been so good. I really enjoy it. I love the the lore we're getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I like where this is going. I like the idea of like all the Reapers know how they died except her, and she goes and finds out how she died. It's really grim and dark, <laughs> appropriate to the to the book title. Uh, I really dig it. Um, and the art, the art is just incredible. I love all the other Reapers too. Like, and I love the idea of the space where they all have a space that's theirs. Mm-hmm. And the one guy has just ha- a vinyl record store. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's his way. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really, really dug it. And, uh, like I highly recommend it, but I did want to ask Josue as I transition over to him. Uh, what did you think? About the opening scene. Oh, I mean, like, I, that's, that's the part, I, that's the only part I really, really did want to talk about. Cause opening it is like, oh, fuck yeah. I love, I love this. Since like, I was remembering, I, I kept thinking about this book since like the first issue. And then I started reading it. I'm like, uh oh, like, don't, don't make this comparison. Please, please don't go there. And then you turn the page and it's like, okay. And, and then like, yeah, they actually, they, they correct it. And it's like, okay, good, 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 good. And then the monster comes and you're just like, Booked up, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's good seeing it, seeing it and then being talked about it in like in, in the in the correct light of what it's like to celebrate the other los muertos. Yeah, and I like that it's like the celebration of life. Yeah, and that's the good contrast to what happens. Yes, yeah, it would be more. It's a better contrast than if it was like say like a haunted house with a bunch of white people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it makes more sense. So I really like that. It's also like what happened that is causing this to happen? We don't know yet. And it's has this really big dreadful cloud over it. Is it like this, this reaper is like making up for people who haven't like, cause like yeah. over, over missing size. So it's kind of like, uh, it's like, because it's still, fucked it, up. It, it couldn't possibly be all these people deserve to die. Right. No, no. It just has to like, are they just killing X amount of people and whoever it is, doesn't matter. And that's right. Up. Like, it's really interesting. It's like, does he need to make a quota regardless? Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. So, and is that is that death? Is that yeah, death, is, death? Is that the grim, grimy breath they mentioned? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. So, all right. Well, that's everything for Boom this week. Uh, next up, let's talk about some aftershock comics. And oh man, we have a shared book, but I'm going to talk about a number one that I got myself. A calculated man. Number yeah. One. Talk about it. I love this book. Um. We actually, sorry, we both have a solo. We'll get to that in a moment. Written by Paul Tobin. Art by Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, colorist Mark Engelert. And letter by Tra- Taylor Esposito. So this story is about this dude. And he's just a normal dude. He's nice. People like him. He has great hair. They make that point several times. And the only thing is he has one ability. Is that... He's really good at math in that he has, like, he's instinctually, like, good while hunting, but on steroids, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is he has an absolute memory. So he remembers everything that has ever happened around him. Yeah. So they make the point, he can tell you where he was at any specific point in his life, his exact position on a sidewalk, the people around him, their conversations, even the exact speeds of every car on the street or bird in the air. And it shows a scene of him walking down the street and literally labeling everything he sees. Oh yeah. And one of them is like a driver and it says, um, uh, Elma Jeffries met her in grocery store 687 days previously. 
So like he remembers to that level. Like he met her very briefly in a grocery store two years before, but he remembers. Yeah, yeah. So he's like got this crazy encyclopedic memory. And basically the story is he used to work for this crime organization. And he um Oh, the other side effect of his, his ability is that he cannot lie. Huh, okay. So he's working for this crime organization, and the boss liked him because it, he didn't he knew if the dude was stealing from him, he would just ask him. Mm-hmm. So um basically in the end he's like, Hey, I want a real life, I want a girlfriend, and I can't have a girlfriend if she asks me what I do for a living, I'm gonna have to tell her I run, you know, books for the mob. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, all right, well, I'll let you out of your contract, but because of your insane precision planning, basically you need to plan plan a whole thing to wipe out this rival gang. So he, d- he comes up with this plan to systematically wipe them out, and it works perfectly because he has that level of planning of knowing everybody and all their patterns. Mm-hmm. Now he's in the witness protection program. <laughs> and uh, he's trying to basically hide while they find him. And it's this hyper genius dude defending himself against a crime organization and it's fantastic that, that is like, a note. it's it's really cool and he's just he's just a really friendly dude the entire time like he's just like hey man like there's a guy trying to kill him and he ties him up and he's just like you know the easiest thing would be just kill all of you and he's like what do you mean he's like yeah it, it, honestly the math checks out it would be, like basically like <laughs> and he's like he's just like no man he gives him a sandwich and it's like a weird ass sandwich i can't remember what it was He's like, you want the sandwich? He's like, oh, how'd you know? He's like, it's your favorite sandwich. He's like, I never told you that. He's like, yeah, but I heard you telling somebody else like six years ago or something like that. It's like, fuck. <laughs> like, and so he's just like, what the fuck? He's just really nice, but also he's like, shit's got to be done. Shit's got to be done. I guess got to kill everybody. Like, and it's so good. And then there's also the whole thing with his connection through um, witness protection, which is this dude, this this uh, black dude right here who's mm-hmm. retiring, and this is the girl that's taking over. Uh, and you can see in the next cover, it's him and a girl in a heart. That's not her, I don't think. One of the one of the bits he drops is that he does have a girlfriend, but they've never met in person. It's online. And the last four pages of this are different conversations he's had through a dating app uh-huh. with girls. And it's so hilarious because some of these are just really ridiculous. Like, um, one of them is a girl just message do not contact me again and he goes this was the first message you contacted me she's blocked and then just blocks <laughs> i know it's so great there's one girl who's like ends up i guess you could say being his girlfriend you know so and there's this one um there's, i love this one uh the girl says do you mind me talking first he goes on this app or on public no it doesn't bother me either way she goes a lot of guys are bothered when women speak first he goes a lot of guys are assholes there you go and she goes yeah you're right you know, I think it's time I dated women exclusively. Sorry to have this revelation on your time. <laughs> and he goes, eh, it's fine. Have a good life out there. She's like, you too. <laughs> like, it's just how it is. <laughs> it's so good, dude. I really, really like this book. It, it, if anything, what kept drawing me to that book is for how simple it is. I like the title of it. And then you tell me, about, tell me in detail about it. Like, I'm really drawn to it now. It's really good. Check it out if you're at Books with Pictures. Just yeah, through it. See see what you think. For sure. And uh, I would de- I would definitely recommend it. It's fun. It feels almost almost like a Tim Seeley book too. Mm-hmm. Like and so I just really like it. So, all right, Josue, your turn. Let's talk about Bunny Mask, The Hollow Inside, number two. Was it? We said back to back Paul Tobins. 
I know. That's why. I, that's why I remember there was another book. I'm like, wait, that's ah, open. Nice. Wait a minute. <laughs> so I, ha- I have uh, Buddy Mask, The Hollow Inside, number two. Um, I think this one is uh, this issue is titled The Hollow Inside. Um, chat uh, written by Paul Tobin, Andrea Moody on the art and colors, and Taylor Spacito on the lettering. So, goddamn it! Now I'm drawing a blank on our main guy, our protagonist. He is pretty much just like separating from his friends. Like, no, I, I guess voluntarily he just doesn't want to be his friends are not actually like are, are now mad fucking tight with b and again like rillo and his partner they're trying to push b onto him but he's kind of been like i really don't want to because like again it's, <laughs> it's kind of weird and this issue we find out i actually kind of dig that we it took us kind of a a whole book and then starting into the sequel on not not that b just not that b felt one-dimensional because like we did have like that mystery on like why does she still sculpt bunny mask but she doesn't have an idea what, what she what she is or what that bunny mask uh, uh monster is um uh, but now we actually find out why she's still so interested on the guy and it's because she doesn't have she doesn't she's she's a blank memory from being rescued from the cave to again meeting up with like the guy like she doesn't she just this is like this whole gap of a memory she kind of she remembers everything about before, like having a fucked up dad, and obviously now making these memories. But everything in between is just gone. Um, and then being being with him, it it just like she just feels, I guess like she feels safe because like she she does has that she has that shared trauma with him. But uh, it's like maybe maybe also being around him can also maybe maybe trigger or it has some hazy memories have been resurfacing. So maybe just being with him can also can help her out too. Um. Meanwhile, on the other side, or on the other side with, like, the the, vi- the actual villain, the actual, the hollow man, um, we find out how he works. And he ba- he's basically also, it's funny, he's also basically uh, a teeth collector. And in, th- in this case, he started he started reminding me of, I guess, just fresh off of finishing fables. He reminded me of Mr. Dark. Because um, he literally has, like, he just goes to, for, for any, any, after anybody. And he'll take your teeth. And then you slowly, he'll take all your teeth basically, and you'll slowly start withering away. You'll, you'll slowly basically just cease to exist. Like, not even just like people will just forget about you. You just won't be anymore. It's, not, it's like a full on death. So, I'm pretty sure that this will be like our monster for the, of the book, besides Bunny Mask, but this will be who Bunny Mask is, is after. All these, like, she'll take care of him, like, uh, like the snitch in the first episode, in the first uh, issue. But then what got really cool at the end of this issue is that after all this time, Bunny Mask actually appeared in front of B. So now like there are two separate people. Like this it's not just B kind of hiding or like tapping like blacking out and then becoming Bunny Mask. Like no, there, there's two separate entities here entities here being played out. And I'm really curious what the what the conversation what the conversation is going to hold in the next issue. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like mm-hmm. hmm. although I mean to be honest the series does play with time a bit, a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's the time thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like is that is like her trauma, her trauma, uh, trauma consciousness separated from her, so she can probably not not go completely crazy. And yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's it's getting pretty good. Yeah. Nice. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the final aftershock book, "The Ocean Will Take Us." Now, I missed out on number two, but I was able to find it, catch up. Yes, catch up on there, because I had to be a little bit ambiguous, because I I didn't want to spoil it for you either. I did, I did already. So, now we're going to talk about The Ocean Will Take Us 3. All right. So, written by Rich Duick, 
art by Carlos Olivares, colored by Manuel Popo, and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, yeah, this got creepy as fuck. <laughs> like, uh, I really liked the second issue. I'll give my quick review of it. The whole Breakfast Club thing. I love it. It's yeah. just great. Um, it seems like each of the issues has their own like theme. Obviously, the title of this one is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. You know, so... Um, but it's really cool. Um, I, I like the I like the art quite a bit. I love the little crew we have, which is like the the mixed crew that isn't you know aren't actually friends but have to work together. The kind clicky of crew, yeah. <laughs> that you'll see in stuff like disturbing behavior, or the faculty, you know, mm-hmm. kids who don't quite fit together. And I always really really like that. And yeah, the main dude, the main swimmer dude, the art, the drawing of him, like the exaggerated nose and stuff, is yeah. so cool because it's like. <laughs> It makes him so inhuman and, like, I don't know, just, like, threatening. Just vaguely threatening. But it's really cool. I think it's interesting. I think the clean energy message is a really interesting angle. And I want to see what statement this book's trying to make about clean energy, mm-hmm. I think, is my main thing. But, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I like the entire crew. Um, everybody has their – even the cheerleader. I actually really like her a lot. Actually. Yeah, she definitely turned around to me, too. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this book, and I'm very glad I was able to find it. Uh, yeah, what, what do you want to add? Uh, no, it's just, it's it's a great series. I love that. Like from the beginning, we're just like this is like it feels like such a boom, boom book, but it's like, but because it's at the mercy mercy of Rich Duick, it's like it's, it's so perfectly at home <laughs> at Aftershock. Uh, I, I love this book. I, I love the, like, the how YA it feels or it looks, but it's at the mercy of Rich. So it's like it's, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like he's gonna do his thing. Oh yeah, and. It's by far the most family-friendly book we've seen from him, (laughs) but that doesn't say a lot. (laughs) So, yeah. Like, I dig it, though. I really like it. Um, It is interesting to see him do something more vivid and, like... Yeah. Because, like, if you look at his other two books, it was, like, Arctic, Mm -hmm. you know, and then Underwater. It doesn't really give you the bright, popping colors. So, it's really cool to see this, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um... All right, perfect. Uh, next up, we are switching publishers, everybody. After the Aftershock, we are going to talk about Dark Horse. And I only got one book for Dark Horse this week, but... <sighs> All right, Norse Mythology, number five. David and Matt cover, of course. Yeah. Um, man... Yeah, it's happening. Okay. Story words by Neil Gaiman. Script and layouts by P. Craig Russell. Letters by Galen Showman. Uh, the art is by P. Craig Russell, and the colors are by Laverne Kanzerski. Um, at the last issue, we left off when Loki was being punished, where he had to watch one of his sons turn into a wolf and kill the other son. Mm-hmm. And now he's being c- held down by his son's entrails uh, while the acid drips in his face. The, you know, the, the punishment of Loki. That If you're familiar with Norse mythology, that's one of the things you're most familiar with, probably. And so this whole episode, or this whole issue sets that up. And it does a really good job of portraying it. Um, the gods are so, like, distant looking. Like, they look like they just don't have emotion at all. It's really creepy. Hmm. And then we set up Ragnarok, the final destiny of the gods. And it's told in a really interesting way. Because Ragnarok, the, the cool thing with Norse mythology is unlike basically every mythology I can think of. I, I don't know if about Egyptian, 
to make this statement, but mm-hmm. Norse mythology hasn't all happened yet. That's one of the cool things about Norse mythology. Uh-huh. And technically, Ragnarok has not happened. In, 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 like, if you believe in Norse mythology, you believe that's coming. Mm-hmm. It makes it more of an active religion, but it's not really religion because, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it makes it more of an active religion like Christianity who believes, you know, that revelation is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so it's talking about there will be a day when, you know, it'll begin with the winter. You know, winter, colder, blah, blah, blah. The cities will fall into flaming ruins. There'll be an age of people who become no better than wild beasts. They'll become cold and hungry and angry. Brothers will fight brothers. Fathers will kill sons. And you got this imagery of a gun. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it's it's very much like this is happening is the message here, basically. Yeah. And it says, there will fight unceasingly, fight until there's nothing left, nothing but winter. Huh. Yeah. So it's really cool the way they're setting it up. And it does feel very revelations. It's like, <clears throat> because, you know, a wolf will consume the sun and things like that. Like, it's very, it's got some really vivid imagery. And this is some of the best art in the series so far. Uh, There's an amazing shot of Loki who has escaped piloting the ship uh, Nafogar or Nagalfar, which is made of the fingernails of dead men. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I love I love Norse mythology because they're so extra like that. I love it. Um, the gods gather for the battle and we're left off with and the final battle will begin Ooh. on sale Jul- July 13th Ragnarok. The last issue. Oh no! Shit! Just straight up. I'm, okay, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> oh man, I, I kind of, I just, I kind of just want to might get that issue just to visualize <laughs> Ragnarok. There's a lot that happens in Ragnarok that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very curious to see how it, how it happens visually. Yeah. Um, I love in this one. I didn't show you the part because it wasn't like a visual pop thing, but Odin basically cons- uh, confirms with Mirmir's uh, well what's going to happen. So he knows that the Norse gods don't make it. Not all of them, mm-hmm. a few. So it's very interesting to, like, they're going into it. I mean, that's always the Norse mythology way is we're, we're going to die. You know, it's just, do you die well? That's the whole thing. You know what I mean? So ah, it's, it's just really interesting. It got my Viking blood pumping, you know. <laughs> that happens sometimes. I just get really like, yeah. <laughs> like so... I was saying, no, you know your sto- like the stories, but is this your first time reading Gaiman's Norse mythology, or do you have the novel as well? Oh, I read the novel a long time ago. Okay, okay. The, the the book I read, I got that one. I actually made a joke because I just finished Stephen Fry's Mythos, which is kind of similar but for Greek and Roman mythology. Okay. And I made a joke like I wish Terry Pratchett wasn't dead because if he did an Egyptian mythology book, the collection would be complete. Ooh. Like, <laughs> I was like that'd be perfect. Like. I don't know who else could take that place. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. So, but yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's really, it's literally because I read that when it came out. I got it the day it came out. Yeah. And then I listened to the audiobook, which, by the way, No Gaming narrates. Oh, nice. Um, and so that's why when this series started, I'm like, I'm getting it. Like, I'm going <laughs> to get every moment of it. So it does have that little, like, I don't want to say it's got like a, a current time touch to it, mm-hmm. but it's, it, the idea is, he wrote the stories so that everyone could understand them. Oh, gotcha. And without the heavy mythological language, which mm-hmm. I think really works really well. There's also a YouTube video online I highly recommend because both him and uh, Stephen Fry's books came at the same time. Okay. And they actually did an interview together where they interviewed each other. 
about it. And they each read a selection from the book. Nice. And it's really good. Um, Neil Gaiman's obsessed with Loki. He's his favorite character. So <laughs> cool. he reads a Loki story. And Stephen Fry reads... I can't remember which one. It was really good, though. But yeah, check them out. Because they're both, they're both great narrators. In addition to being great writers, they both have amazing voices for that kind of thing. So, But yeah, excellent. So good stuff. Next up, a new publisher for us. Uh, this is Opus Publishing. Uh, Opus is a division of Incendium, which is a which their their tagline is myths, monsters, and metal. <laughs> so, um, this is Bill and Ted Roll the Dice Number One. Um, it's it's set after the first two movies, but uh, obviously before the, the most current one. And it's it's a lot of fun. So let me do the creative team before I jump in, though. Uh, written by James Asmus, art by Wayne Nichols, colored by Joanna Lafuente, and letter by Jacob Bassel. Um, it's basically like so. Wild Stallions is supposed to become this all-conquering band, right? After the after it, and then it's like, all right, well, we go on our first tour in like nine months, and then it's just like we should learn how to play instruments because they saw future them could play instruments. Uh-huh. So their their whole logic is, well, we don't have to learn because we know we're going to know, like, <laughs> and it's just like ridiculous. Long story short, a bunch of stuff happens. They decide to play D and D, but it's like a cursed D and D D and D set or something. So they are sent to hell, and the devil himself is going to be the DM. <laughs> oh no, no, sorry. He he, the devil himself punishes them with this and gives them to a DM called. Um, I believe it's Semagina, and they both get like um, Bill's name or Bill says your name is Semagina. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or so, I don't know if it's Gina or Gina. I like Gina. It's much funnier. I mean, yeah, for the punchline. So they have to pick their classes in D&D. And they're like, choose who you wish to be. And Bill's like, well, I just want to be me. Bill S. Preston Esquire. And Ted's like, oh, I want to be an epic musician. So he makes Ted a level one bard. And he makes Bill a squire. And he says... While the usual class is knight, for some reason you chose to be a knight in training. So to reflect that, you enter the quest at le- n- level negative five. <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> He's like, no, I said Esquire. And he's just like, no. Like, <laughs> they're like picking their abilities. And um, Bill's like, my only has one option. It just says cleaning things. <laughs> it, it's really funny, actually. I'm really enjoying it. And they, they're just on a D&D quest together. It's a lot of fun. So I, it's just if you're a Bill and Ted fan, this is a good pickup. I really enjoy nice. it. So, um, but yeah, I still haven't seen the newest movie. I know I'm shameful. Oh, okay, out there, I, I I wanted to. I really did. I just haven't had a chance. And there's too much to watch on TV right now. So, all right. So I'm passing the baton to Hoxway. Hoxway, tell me about all hail Behemoth and Stargirl Three. Yes, Stargirl Three by Lucas Mendonca. Uh, uh, I like I like the title of this uh, episode two, a part two. So yeah, we're uh, picking up where we left off before. Everybody's getting their asses kicked by hologram, uh, except for Mirror. Mirror still trying to put up a fight. It's not going well, but in obviously in the anime, in the, in the anime sequence, uh, with the power of friendship, a friend shows up and becomes a sweet two on one. Uh, it becomes a, two, a sweet two on one, and with the tides turning. Of course, uh, Queen B shows up. 
and it's basically like the 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 leader. Um, God, they don't call her by name, so I can't find it right now. Uh, but it's the leader of the rogue gang who are trying to destroy the solar system. And she gets, um, and she has a private conversation with uh, uh, with Hook, who does the 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 mirror the the mirror abilities because they they each have a specific ability. Um, and she tells like, "Yo, I I you are like the one. You're you're the missing piece. Uh, I need you on my team." And she's basically t- she she kind of like brainwashes her into like coming over to her side, and yeah, I guess like with the with the power with the mirror powers is like the last thing that that she needs to destroy the solar system, and they go through their portal portal, and our group of star girls are who are now just instead of four or instead of three are now six because they kind of ditched the the other the the, the other rogue girls too. They get left off, or it's like. That that's the cliffhanger. It's just like they take mirror, they take hook with them, and they leave the the six remaining with uh over our over on our side. It cuts to an epilogue to a not so distant future, and so kind of that's kind of where I want to leave it off to, so it, it can kind of make more sense in the next issue because it's a very very obviously it's an epilogue, so it's short that it makes kind of no sense. I might have to go back and re- reread the other two issues to kind of see. I'm hoping I didn't miss like a first runner or something, and if there's like a sequel already. Uh, but yeah. This guy, it was like a, it was like a very quick one to kind of set up the next one. Nice, awesome. All right. Well, with all hell behemoth out of the way, we are going to open the vault. We have a couple of vault books to talk about this week. Let's start with We Ride Titans Four. Uh, so, written by Tristine, art by Sebastian Fries, colors by D. Cuniff, and letter by Jim Campbell. Um. I think I say this every time we review this book, but I think my favorite thing about this book is you have a book about giant robots fighting monsters, but really it's about a family. And mm-hmm. that sounds like a really weird pitch that you would give during like a like a meeting with Netflix. <laughs> like, I got a show, it's about monsters and robots fighting, but really it's about a family. And it's just like, it sounds cheesy, but this is literally the version of that that's the best. <laughs> like, it's just... I really like especially this issue where, yes, there's a lot of really cool fight scenes, a lot of really cool action moments, but none of it matters compared to what's going on with her brother. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool way of telling that story. Um, And just, I I really like it. I really am enjoying it. And I I generally have like a worry for the brother a lot when I read it. I know. I'm really worried about where he's going. You know what I mean? So I think that's, it's doing its job because it's doing that, you know, but it's just really, really good. What'd you think? No, and it's, it's really good. I like that every issue has just like, like obviously with every issue, we'll kind of, we'll, we're going to get more and more on the inside, but I like that every issue has just been slowly kind of been, I don't want to say more wordy, but it's just like what they give us with is like, it's a lot more than what we, where, where we started. Uh, mm-hmm. Where like a lot of the elements like that could have been, that are said here could have been like the hooks like in, in the first issue but it's like i like that they, they were saving it and especially like what we're saying now it's like i i hella worry about the brother too like there's a reason why like why the sister had to come over and and and, t- and take mm-hmm. on the and take on the role for uh fighting fighting in the mech and that's what we've, and that's what we've been focusing on because monsters end up showing up but again like it's, it's the first part of that statement there's a reason why she had to show up and nobody's following through with that. And that's what makes me worry about the brother. He's just mm-hmm. obviously like, he had to like, he thought he fought the wagon and like in this issue, it sucks. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard recovery. And again, there's a reason why she had to come over and take over. And we're not focusing on that. Uh, but I'm sure obviously we're going to get to it, but it's like, I like that, that that was the problem in this issue. 
Yeah. Vault books are rarely about one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that makes Vault great. There's very little Vault books that are just surface. I mean, probably in, the, in, a, in, a, in a good way, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because it's a great storytelling device. Right? Yeah. What cover did you get, by the way? Uh, Cover A, I assume. So the giant maw on the front? Yeah. Oh, I got this one. Oh, that's a straight up cut. The, the, uh, that's cool because you, really, you don't really get to see the monsters up close. Yeah, definitely. It's like, a, it's like a good profile shot like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. I was just curious. Uh, next up, West of Sundown 3. I got this cover. Oh, yeah, same. Like, of course. <laughs> I right? love these old school movie shots. They're really cool. <laughs> yeah. Written by Tim Seeley and Aaron Campbell. Drawn by Jim Terry. Color by Triona Farrell. Letter by Crank. Um, I like this issue quite a bit. It doesn't seem like anything ever goes well for these two, for Dooley and Constance. They never seem to get a moment, basically. <laughs> Every time they try to rest, it's like, nope. Um, but I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, I like that the, the Frankenstein dude showed up. We get we get a fight going there. Yeah. The whole cult thing is starting to escalate, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah, I, j- I just really like it. I really like Constance quite a bit. Um, I'm really like clicking with her really well i think uh dilly's cool but I, I think i'm clicking with her a little bit more um and i'm starting to actually remember townspeople and stuff which is good yeah because that's you know an important part we of course the uh the young girl who works at the tavern they just purchased doing variety of things apparently and then the bartender of course that was leaving but like maybe he'll still be involved i think that was really cool and interesting and yeah just the cult thing is the thing that's fascinating to me so what do you think about it uh, I I I I really like the story. I like that it's like a that the impending doom, like the 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 immediate problem here is to go gather soil, and it's like it's like a race to try to survive, uh, to just try to, to try to collect some dirt. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I, I have a lot of fun with this book. I love how it's like, it's like it doesn't take itself too seriously with like the elements, but it's like I love how grounded it is like in the in the in the Western genre. Yeah, definitely. And I just think, yeah, it's, hmm. it's, it's a fun book and it definitely feels, I've read some Westerns where it's like a Western because people have six shooters and cowboy hats. Sure. This is a Western because it feels like a Western. Yeah. You know, and like as someone who was raised on Western movies his entire life, that's pretty much all my dad would watch besides James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like, I'm like, this feels just like a, you know, like McClintock or right, or, like the ugly or even the, I was I was getting to like the to like the back end and yeah, like even like the the culty people just feel like yeah, like those are just it, there's like a a correct mindset of those people that you think of like of like religiousness of like in the in the Western eras. Yeah, definitely. So awesome, really enjoying it. Um, definitely exceeded my expectations. I was kind of like, this will be fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect to really like it as much as I am, but I'm glad I am. So. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're gonna switch to. Image Comics, and we have a stack this week, so let's jump straight in. Count Called Terror number three. Uh, written by uh, Steve Niles. Art by Simon Kudransky. Letters by Marshall Dillon. Um, this is the one with the, the son going back to the monster town to his dad, who keeps coming back to life. He picks a fight with a Frankenstein. It's pretty great. Um, he picks a fight with some more Frankensteins. It's fantastic. Uh, he does this. Which we did not know That's he was cool. capable of doing. That's dope. Yeah. And then he they basically run away when they realize who he is. I guess he's like renowned for being scary. And then he like, hey, maybe I can fly away and go back home to my, my girlfriend. 
And no, there's a bubble around the town preventing from leaving. Meanwhile, there's a cop and his girlfriend who pinged his cell phone up to the point where it disappeared, presumably when it hit the bubble. And now they're going to go look for him, which is not good because they're normal human beings and they should not enter this crazy monster town. So really cool. It's a visual book. It's a very visual book. So if you like a good, really visibly dark, but like very vibrant book, it's a really good one for you. As long as you like some horror and a little bit of gore. So next up, Undiscovered Country, Destiny Man number one. So we haven't had Undiscovered Country in a while. Um, and it's because every time they switch sectors in the U.S., they take a little bit of a hiatus mm-hmm. uh, to plan the plot, I guess. This one is kind of bridging us to the next one. Written by Tra- Scott Steiner and Charles Soule. Art by Giuseppe Comancoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. Colors by Matt Wilson, letter by Crank. This is a one-shot that is an origin of the Destiny Man, who you might remember as the leader of the Mad Max-type people. Yeah. That has literally been chasing them through all the world and wrecking everything behind them, basically. Um, there's a revelation, and it's very much expanded upon in this one shot, where that he is... Um, of, of all the people that came back to the U.S. as part of that group, two of them were, were a brother and sister pair. He's actually their brother. Mm. He was born after them. And he was... There's this whole thing about how he was born for a purpose not because the parents wanted another kid or because they wanted to love another kid or anything like that. He served a purpose and it kind of twisted him into who he is today. And it's just really, really cool. It's a really great origin story for, um, for a character that we've seen little bits of every once in a while. Um, and it's, it's also got some of the customary ridiculous art. Like for instance, um, he killed this land shark with a thousand tiny little worm legs and stuff like mm. that. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's, it's such a great character study. I wish there's other books that are put out that we read that I kind of wish the antagonist got a treatment like this, a little bit more in-depth. Um, I don't want to throw any going under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but Blacktop Bill, would, sure. I would have liked... A, like more expanded origin for Blacktop Bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would make him more of an interesting character, which I like. So I like the character, but I think it would be more interesting. So, but really cool. It's a great companion to the series if you've been reading so far. And if you haven't, maybe it'll give you a bit of an idea, but I don't think it opens up in the new reader, most new reader friendly way. Mm-hmm. I would say you probably have to like know what's going on a bit. Gotcha. So. Next up, Slumber number four, this book. So great. Uh, written by Tyler Burton Smith, illustrated by Vanessa Cardinali, colored by Simon Robbins, and letter by Steve Wands. This is the one with the, the dream detective where she goes into your dreams and kills your nightmares so they can't bother you anymore. And it's absolutely ridiculous. This issue is fantastic. Basically, the, the dream serial killer they're trying to catch is it's possessing people and it's in the real world while they're in the dream world and the person they choose, I don't want to get into too many details about this one because it's really good. And if anyone's reading it, I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say it's really, really good. You should check it out. Um, I believe there's one issue left. Maybe well, it's probably two more actually. We'll see. But yeah, I really like this character. I like the art a lot. It's very um, like creepy twisted, like a, 
I, I, Invader Zim almost. Ooh, okay. Like Zim light art, but a little bit more realistic, but you can see like in her face and stuff like that. Like it's got like a creepiness to it. Yeah. And then of course the dream monsters make it even more ridiculous. You can see some of them there. So yeah. But yeah, really good. I'm enjoying it. So next up, Josue. Talk to me about a brand new number one. Seven Sons, number one. Okay. Um, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> uh, Seven Sons, number one. So, let's start with the creative team. Uh, Robert Wyndham and Kelvin Mao. Uh, yeah, written. Uh, colors by June Chung lettering by, and lettering by Simon Bolin. And for his first full book since 1994, art by Jay Lee. Yeah, crazy. Um, so it immediately opens up with July 7, 1998, in New Canaan, and in parentheses, formerly Las Vegas. It's a whole different spin on the world, a whole different religious aspect on the world. Because apparently, if you look at this page, these giant erected statues, I guess back in 19, there was a, there was a prophet back mm-hmm. in 19, or actually, let me skip forward where he starts talking about it. This prophet back in 1970s, or he, he predicted that 21 years ago in 1977, on the exact date, July 7th, um, he predicted that our saviors were born. Seven identical sons born of seven virgin mothers on each of the seven uh, continents. A genetic impossibility, a miracle, the miracle. And you foretold that on that day, today, on their 21st birthday, the one true son would make himself known. So it's like, it's not even like a secret thing. It was like a whole public thing. And out of the seven, because there's a lot of different religions and opinions out there, only one has survived. And then they're making a big deal where like, and this is like the show. Like this is the show. It's like the, the this dude's like 21st birthday, and he's and he's gonna make a statement. He's gonna be the savior of the world finally. And there's even like a he even like proves it. There's like a uh, he heals a guy like so he can walk again. Um, and it gets broadcast all gets broadcast all over the world. Uh, but yeah, but the creepy there's a lot of other creepy elements here, not just because of how Jay Lee just uh, <laughs> makes faces, especially just like all of especially especially these seven sons faces are just so blank. And I guess it's like their lack of eyebrows is like almost like a sliver of like very very thin eyebrows. So it's like there's they're very expressionless. Uh, but anyway, as part of like to to hype up the ceremony or like the this whole uh, yeah this whole ceremony. Twenty first. Uh, there's a, a guest speaker. Uh, God, this part was crazy. Uh, to spread the word far, uh, far from like or from sin and stuff. Thanks to thanks to former two term president Jimmy Carter. <laughs> it's like whoa, that is a lot right there. What? <laughs> <laughs> then he makes a speech or whatever because like they're because they're in Utah, so it's like it's like it becomes a whole religious speech. For, for those of you who are children, Jimmy Carter did not serve two terms. <laughs> no, he did not. So. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it's a uh, it's it's an interesting interesting start uh, with uh, yeah a very religious start. Uh, but at the end at the end of the issue when um, when are the this second coming. Uh, he heals this man. Uh, there's there's been a, a a subplot line on this um like this is like a popper like it's like a, this, this homeless guy. He goes he goes into this like convenience store. The clerk is kind of like oh like yeah, uh, just, just careful. It's like just careful on your way in and out or whatever. And then he kind of like, collapses on him and he's like oh shit let me call the ambulance. And they show up. He's being unresponsive. 
And it's almost like at this point when he heals the the guy like through the television, everybody's viewing it. It could show the actual moment of them turning twenty one that the guy just like heals. Like he he has like he, like his part of his skin is like goes almost like decaying apart. Like he just did not look good. And in that moment, he stands up perfectly pretty and says, "I remember everything." So it's like was like is this really the 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 true the second coming of the savior or whatever? But uh, it's. Not to say dense, but it's a it's a very very thick start uh, for our first issue. It's gonna be out of seven, so maybe like we'll go through like the suns. But again, like the other six have been dead, so we'll we'll see how this plays out into a seven issue run. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about it. Uh, it definitely looked like more of a of a Josue book than mine mm-hmm. for me. So I was like, he's gonna pick it up and he'll tell me all about it, which is just what happens. So that's awesome. <laughs> all right, great. Moving on from there, let's talk about our final two image books. We share these books. And let's start with Radiant Black number 15. Okay. Uh, Elephant in the Room. Well, let's do the creative team first. Written by Kyle Huggins and Alex Siegel. Art by Eduardo Ferragato and Marcelo Costa. Colored by Igor Monte, Igor Monte uh, with assistance by Sabrina Del Grasso and letter by Becca Carey. Um, as far as the content goes... I really like what we're seeing so far and it's leading more and more to my green ranger theory. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think that's cool. Um, I really like the, um, uh, I like the return of Doppler. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I really like that character and I think there's a lot they can do with that. That's really cool. Um, but I mean the key to this book and then what, what a lot of people are going to talk about, it's a really cool gimmick. Um, the story is about them filming a what if these two characters fought video for YouTube uh, for this popular YouTube channel. And uh, it's Radiant Black against this Blaze. classic character, Blaze. And so, of course, Radiant Black is like, what do you mean I don't win? <laughs> and so, of course, he wants to be involved and he gets involved and... It obviously it leads to higher production quality using his powers and stuff. But the coolest thing ever, the creative team then shot or animated an actual animated video for this. It's not 30 seconds long either. It's like five and a half minutes. I yeah, it's think. a good one. It's pretty good. I love the voice acting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Um, Radiant Black was hilarious throughout. Um, yeah, it was just cool. It was just such a cool little thing. So there's a... There's a, there's a um, barcode at the back a qr code that you can scan and it'll pop it up for you and you can watch it and it's just really cool to like hear them talking about oh the part with the clouds and when you make the symbol and then you actually watch it and see it i think that's really cool um me and Osway always like little extra things like this like oh, one thing yeah. we always talk about is playlists when playlists are put in, in uh comic mm-hmm. books you know and this is just kind of the next step of that and i really think that's cool and something I'd like to see return. I like the idea. So what do you think, Osway? Uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun in that way. I, I like that we kind of maybe like took like a beat here. Like we kind of stayed here for a second. Because uh, even like the whole like Doppler plotline wasn't like to extend like or to push like the villain arc until like later. But like in this issue is like I, I like how humble it was. Uh, but now, now even though he di- he did sound like I'm, I'm I'm going back to like the video. It's like I'm coming back to the comic as well. But uh. I, I was trying to find like the cast for the video, uh, and it was like, was it really fucking him? Because like, cause <laughs> it, if it got hella fucking meta, I'm gonna love it even more. Because I love when um, Marshall, when he's like, when he's on set, just like bitching about everything and like like the story. But then he looks over, he's like, wait, 
Is that Wolf Riddle? Hold up. You got Batman Beyond to play me? <laughs> I think it's him because it sounds like It him. sounds just like him. Or, or it's like the... Um, uh, and, I mean, if you're going to lie, mm-hmm. why that lie? Right. Why Why? why make him? Because <laughs> he's so animated, like, obviously, in the animation, but, like, the voice. It's, like, it's so Will. But then, like, his line is, like, okay, that's actually pretty dope. I think I think Eric Matthews with superpowers? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the meta of all that. I honestly, I just assumed. Because, again, if they were going to lie, they would make a much better lie. <laughs> True. <laughs> They'd be, like, you know, like, oh, my mind went completely blank. And then he's like, he's like, he's, yeah. like, he's much, old. obviously he's much older now that he still, he could just still fly the, the voice acting gig. So like, hell yeah. I really hope. Troy Baker. Is. There we go. Troy Baker. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a famous voice actor and I was going blank. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really cool. And I'd like to see more of this multimedia stuff, especially from Radiant Black. I think it's pretty much custom made to do that. Oh, for sure. It's pretty dope. Um, some playlists would be fun. Let's do that next time. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, really cool. And that leads us to our final image book. And I've been buzzing to talk about this book. Yeah. Since I picked it up. Do a Powerbomb number one. <laughs> Written by podcast favorite Daniel Warren Johnson. Also drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Colored by Mike Spicer and lettered by Russ Wooten. I love this book. For those who don't know, I'm a professional wrestling fan. Um, if you don't follow me on Twitter, or if you do follow me on Twitter, you already know that. Um, I love wrestling. It's I, I learned basic storytelling when I was young from wrestling. Oh, nice. That's how I learned how to tell stories. Because it's as basically as basic of a story as you can tell as pro wrestling. Bad guy, good guy, don't like each other, fighting over this thing. It's as simple as that. And I love that I'm discovering more and more actually people that like wrestling. Ironically, when I went to Samurai uh, to pick up my comics, I was talking to the guy at the front counter who I talk to every week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. What do you think of this one? And then Do a Powerbomb came up and he pointed at it. He goes, this book is great. (laughs) And I'm like, really? Are you a wrestling fan? He goes, dude. And I looked down. He's wearing a Bullet Club (laughs) t-shirt. I'm I'm the worst, and I was like, no, no, I'm not a poser. I swear to God, I know who the Bullet Club is. <laughs> like, I was like, and I, 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 of course, when wrestling fans meet, they always do the little like, how big of a fan are you? Standoff, you know? And I'm yeah. like, well, I used to have the Cody Rhodes Bullet Club T-shirt, and I used to have another one, which I'm not going to talk about because the guy got me too. He's a real piece of Ooh. shit. So, but we he was just like, yeah, yeah. So we, we we're like equal fans. We're, we're fine talking. <laughs> to it was so alphaville. I hated it. Um, so, um. But yeah, no, I I love wrestling. I absolutely love it so much. And this book was, first of all, the art is that Daniel Warren Johnson art. Yeah. That we absolutely love. And the characters are fun. I I don't know if you don't watch wrestling, if you're going to get as much enjoyment from this. I know this way you watch is less wrestling than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still, you know, you have an idea. You've oh, been I still to get fucking into events, it for sure. So yeah. Um, so I'm curious. I would like to know what a non-wrestling fan would think. Maybe like Mars or somebody. Well, my um, Nick uh, posted pictures. Like he's straight. Like we were talking about it, and like he's like he's straight up not a, not a wrestling fan, but he's a huge Daniel Warren Johnson fan. Uh, yeah. so so like getting like a mix of those of of these two worlds that he's familiar and one that he's not. Like he 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 actually very much enjoyed this one. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun. And it's obviously, it's got a really great epic story. And the one thing I thought was really cool, I know Josue 
Yeah, actually, I thought it was sweet while I read this, and I actually I remember I texted you. I hope you picked this up. Yeah, because it's not just about wrestling; it's also got a supernatural edge to it. That's going to be very like oh my god, like amazing metal music video already. My <laughs> yeah, head. oh my god, <laughs> I can't fucking wait. Like, and it's going to be so good, and it's just so much fun, and. Uh, I love it. And just the name, Duo Powerbomb. It's fantastic. Yeah, so simple. But I cannot yeah. wait for that title to pay off. Mm-hmm. Where, in the end, if she's like struggling to win her last match, and then she sees, I don't know, the spirit of a deceased loved one, because I don't go spoilers, oh. it says Duo Powerbomb, and I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I love this book. It's fantastic. This is the title of this episode, by the way, Duo Powerbomb. Oh, fuck yeah. Go check. It is. Oh, you got the variant too. I love that so much. Oh, yeah, I was having a hard yeah, time uh, deciding because it's like, yeah, it's a Darren Warren Justin book. So it's like, why not get the cover? Why not get his cover A? But mm-hmm. out of everyone in the fucking game, I love that it was James Heron to do the variant because it's almost like they're yeah. from like the same vein. Uh, it's like style, like like the gritty. I just the, like the look of the dude's face. The aggressiveness. It was dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this book is awesome. I think one of the other things that, one of the other things that um, Nick and I were talking about, um, on again, like why. One of the why he he, he, was, he had to be like had already beaten me to the book, so he had read it. But he agreed that it's like one of the things that I love about Daniel is his fluidity in his fight scenes, like back in Beta, Beta Ray Bill, like yes. when he he was doing Beta was doing all these like wrestling homage moves, but you could see each motion going from one to the next. And in this I one, totally I totally forgot about that. We should have seen this shit coming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but honestly, to me, I think like this is one, like probably my favorite page, like my favorite, like, my favorite part of the whole book, right. because like you do see the fluidity in the fight, like his somersault off of like yeah. the rope is just fucking awesome. Um, like right before the accident, and it's like, and yeah, it's like the the double twist on this book, where it's like it open great opening sequence, ch- great fucking championship fight. And then you get the hook, and he's like, "Oh, cool. Well, fuck, that sucks." But now I know where the story's going. Now like, we know yeah. who we're following. And then you get the fucking drop at the end. It's like, <laughs> I love this book so much. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually got caught up in the wrestling of it all. Oh, okay, which is, which is great because when he when he went to do that finisher, I was like, his finishers and styles clash off the top rope. I was kind of like, "Oh no, that don't do that." And I was like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> it was i loved it i thought it's so great um yeah it's it's gonna be a favorite of mine by the end of the year i have a feeling oh yeah honestly oh oh, for sure and like the not thematically that's the word i want but the impression i get from this book just from like the way it makes me feel and stuff Mm -hmm. the book i could compare it to the most and you guys know how much of a compliment this is on this show is homesick pilots oh yeah that's what it makes me feel like it takes something i love and also makes a cool, slightly spooky story about it mm-hmm. with some really cool developed characters. Like, yeah. That's what it feels like to me. So, yeah. Also, I think in your cover, I think it's her. I think it's Lana because she, she rocks the mohawk. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard to see because it cuts off at the neck. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, dude, really, really cool. Really enjoyed it. Well, um, also, the, the other part because I, 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 it's hard for me to keep up on this side of it all. Uh, but the fact that the influence of of this book wasn't really specifically from like from American wrestling, but from the uh, the Japan specials. Mm-hmm. So was it the was it the the T? Was it or the New, New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yeah, in JPW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's where the inspiration came from. Like, you always fucking talk about the shit whenever it comes like every year. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sit down and watch it one year. I, I really want to one day. 
It's we'll we'll live watch it together because it's it's not the same watching it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always on. It's always the first week of January. Okay. And it's always at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's what I say. That's right. I, I, love, I love the letter in the end because like he only got into it. He only started watching it because it was like his shift to uh, watch his newborn uh, child. So it's like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's so, dude, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, that's really exciting. Um, with that said, we're going to finish up with our indies and we're going to start talking about the big two. Moving on to DC books. We don't have a ton this week. Uh, but I'm going to start off with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 12. Number 12. Um, this one's it's, it's kind of fun. Um, long story short, Crypto comes home at the very beginning. But it's it, it, the, the safe house they're in, is it, it registers it as a threat, like a high projectile coming at the safe house. Everybody panics. And it was just crypto, <laughs> like, which I thought was great. Um, written by Tom Taylor, pencil by Sion Thormi and Rory Coleman, inks by Scott Hanna, Rory, Raul Fernandez, and Sion Thormi, colors by Federico Pli and Matt Herms, and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, this one is really interesting, and it, it takes some cool angles. Um, basically, they're able to find out more about what's going on with Lex and the super-powered people that they're putting bombs in the heads of and stuff. They find out that there's a senator on the payroll doing this for Lex. So they actually go to the Capitol and confront him in front of all these people with, um, with, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Um, John's boyfriend. I always forget his name. Um, it's Jay. Jay. Thank you. I was, my brain was saying Kyle and I'm like, it's not Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, but Jay goes in his mask, you know, cause he's like got his own little personal identity for the, uh, the truth, his little organization. And the senator transforms, because he's one of the people with powers, into this fucking thing. <laughs> oh, God. And so they have to fight him, and they find out that there's a little control thing in his head, right? Well, Jay, Jay can phase, you know, can walk through solid objects. So Jay literally phases into the monster, into his brain, and grabs the control thing, right? <laughs> uh, when he phases in, though, he comes out, everybody's watching, cameras are on and everything. He's like, hey, look, I found it. Holds it up. And then John's like, Jay, your mask. And so everybody knows who Jay is now. Oh, shit. He just got outed his secret identity. And it's like, oh, shit, that's no. going to ruin his whole life. So really cool, though. I'm really enjoying it. I love. Oh, also, you know how John's been showing up and helping Dick in Nightwing? Mm-hmm. Dick shows up and helps John in this. Oh, cool. Oh, it's nice. It's really something that just goes back and forth. And it makes so much sense to do stuff like that. Yes. Like, because they are close. It's like with Flash, Flash constantly showing up. They're not just going to be like, I have to handle this on my own. That's some Batman thinking. Fuck that shit. We're together. You know what I mean? So, um, really good stuff, though. Next up is Josue talking to us about Wonder Woman 788. Okay, cool. I'm literally just uh, kind of discovering something here that's kind of yeah, maybe a reference. Yeah, I saw you, saw you looking at something here. Okay, so Wonder Woman um, 788. And this one is still by Superstar Team. Yeah, what, what is he on this one? Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan on script. Emanuela um, Lupacino on pencils. Wade Von Grabadger on inks. Tamara Bonville on colors. And Pat Brazo on colors. On lettering, sorry. So, uh, God. Intel as fuck, Dr. Psycho uh, has been rounding up his 
alt-right followers, and they take the protest to the Hall of Justice of all fucking places. And they bring their milk. Yeah, milk plays a part into this. It's it's, it's so fucking I, I fucking hate Dr. Sucker okay. so much. <laughs> I, I hate Dr. Sucker so fucking much. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a bunch of fucking... I'm just calling them dickhead red hats outside the Hall of Justice uh, protesting to, like, they're not even protesting for like the dumbest shit. Just take your pick on like any other dumbass protest. Um, who is it? Steve, Siggy, and um, shit. The one, God, the one who's like been like helping them out this whole fucking time too. Um, she gives them a ride, and uh, to the hall of justice, and they're gonna help defend the door. Uh, Diana is in the hall with the rest of the Justice League, and they're kind of and like, again, this this is like what you were just talking about about uh, Nightwing showing up and and Superman, and that's fine. And then here we have a fully alive Justice League. I think and I think they allude to it. where do they die? Where do they die again? Was it here or it, away from here? It's not. It's in an alternate universe. Okay, so so it's not even that. So what part is this? Because it is Superman and Oliver. I know Oliver fucking died, right? Yes. Right, exactly. And they're kind of like, the Justice is kind of like, hey, we can help you with this, but uh, and Diana's like, no, 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 it's cool. Go handle your shit on Mars. And so I, I thought it was kind of there. Because, like, again, like they're all very much alive. Um, so Diana's kind of like there to like, kind of handle the protest. They're all kind of just like, not having it. They're not, they're not willing to reason with her, obviously. And Dr. Psycho goes to, cause again, Dr. Psycho has a fucking, um, a fake, a fake Wonder Woman. She, like, she's the, the, like, the, the whole army that they were made out of glass. Well, he kept one and she's kind of, right. she has like the cracked face. And he's, te- he's ordering her, um, to press a button and the milk van blows up. Um, yeah, I'm sure some people died. Um, and so Steve and Siggy up in arms. Let's let's fucking start helping. Uh, this is a disaster. Um, everything is just not going well for them. Um, the because Doctor Poison shows up. Um, she kind of poisons Steve Trevor. I, she poisons Steve Trevor. Um, and then Siggy shows up to the rescue because it, it's going to be his boyfriend later. I'm already calling it. Um, and then she's kind of like, "Oh, you're you're Siegfried. You finally showed up to play." And that's almost because, like, because he was a part of history. He's like, oh, I know your name. I know your weaknesses. Like, what killed you that first time around? And she goes for, like, the scratch. But, like, her needle, her little needle breaks. And it's like, that that, that was really your only weapon? Like, she, she had, like, a gas bottle, a little gas grenade, too. So she, but, that, <laughs> that, but that was only so she could make her getaway. Her prime, her prime weapon that whole time was this little, like, syringe that was poking out of one finger it wasn't like a little freddy krueger uh gauntlet it was just one little prick of course that little thing was gonna break on his guardian uh fucking armor so she makes her getaway um and they come back to uh they come back to uh checkmate hq and they're kind of like shit's not looking good they i mean like great for a checkmate because they saw steve trevor and everybody kind of a bunch of prying eyes and kind of putting shit together obviously checkmate's not like Checkmate's supposed to be a secret, right? So they need to kind of back off from all of this. Um, and yeah, Diana's not fucking happy. Uh, Doctor Psycho right now has like the upper hand because he also has what's his face, not Matt Thinker. That's fucking Marvel. Um, 
Professor Calculus. He he has his like his little machine telling him like a, a bunch of probabilities that is like that are going their way for for now. Um, and then it ends like that. The uh, Doctor Psycho has his last secret, which uh, or his last like uh, ace up his sleeve, and Han. And we did it, Han. That did it. We're not one of the ninety nine percent percentile numbers. Uh, numbers don't lie. Victory is practically assured. And then Doctor goes. And who will we owe this victory to? Tell us who uh, do you have a name? And then he opens this like coffin. And this person goes, I am Dolos, the Duke of Deception. Now, where's Wonder Woman? And I was like, okay, wait. So obviously there's like a hero or a god or a deity. And it's like, is this a DC character that I'm just not 100% familiar with? And mm-hmm. it's kind of not. But what I just found here is um, a reference, a page reference from... I think it was Future State Harley Quinn because it was uh, not Danuculo, um, but the um, the we only find them when they're dead. What's the artist's name again? Daniel Danuculo. Oh, it is Danuculo. Okay, but it's, it's a it's a it's a Danuculo page from from his from his Future State Harley Quinn, and it's when Black Mask is just like he's gonna he's gonna kill this guy, but he gives like a whole profile on Dolos, which is like obviously it's not a direct connection here but it's like it's the only reference to uh the god dolos in the dc universe um that i can find right now so wondering how that he'll play into this because uh we have seen some gods but this is such such an obscure one and then my only well not only i was just like because the other ones were kind of like eh they're okay but there is one 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 at least and again sometimes little is way more (laughs) my one gay reference between siggy and steve trevor here is after the whole a clusterfuck that was outside the Hall of Justice. Okay, again, oh, she detonated too. Uh, uh, one of the things is uh, uh, a second milk truck av- arrives, and Doctor Psycho is like, is telling the fake Wonder Woman, is like, "Yo, detonate it, fucking do it." And she's hesitating. It's almost like she still has some, like maybe some Diana morals inside of her that she's struggling with because she hesitates. Uh, she still detonates, but she hesitated, and Doctor Psycho calls her out on it later. But anyway, after all that, and they're and they're back at uh, Checkmate HQ. Um, Steve is kind of complaining, like, "Oh shit!" Like they're kind of onto us. Like we we need to lay low now. We can't really help Diana now. And out of all of that, Siggy's only reply is, "You look good, though, Steve." <laughs> 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 out of everything, <laughs> like these two are so meant to be together. Is the only way I can I can see Steve Trevor interesting. Uh, and Siggy is the best, and he is so into Steve. <laughs> That's great. All right. Next DC book, uh, we're going to talk about Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number three. I love this cover. Uh, which one did you get? Oh, sorry. I don't have the camera up. Uh, yeah, I got the same one. Yeah, the cover <laughs> is so good. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. So, creative team before we get started. Um, written by James Tynan IV, art by Alessandro Estherin. Uh, colors by Patricio Del Peach and letter by Simon Bolin with some guest artists being done by Francesco Francavilla. Um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, it's really gory, first of all. And um, the the dude's ecstasy and agony are freaking me the fuck out. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I don't like that at all. Um I I just get this sneaking weird suspicion that like, what do you think they're doing with the Corinthian with this story? What's the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. Is he a hero? Because <laughs> like, that's going to be very strange. 
Because he used to kill boys and eat their eyeballs. <laughs> like you can't just you know redemption arc out of that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So, um, I I mean, it seems like he wants to protect her. Maybe it's like because he, he's vain and she draws him. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sure where they're going to go with this, but what do you think? I'm I'm loving it though. Yeah. I mean, as far as for that specific question that is a direction i have no idea where it could go because obviously we're sub- we're meant to be against ecstasy and agony here but we know the corinthian and, and it's like and, and i love his page like when he's in the dreaming and he's like mm-hmm. like like his zen space of like being on on that cusp of the shore of like nightmares and dreaming and almost like he's kind of he he stares off into like the that the the dream sequence of the ocean and almost like check he almost checks whatever monsters are trying to pop out, even though he's like, I, I like that part where it's like, he's like, he wishes he could tell them to go the other way if they want to go the right way. It's I, again, like he's, they're making him such a fucking cool, cool character in this, but like by giving us very little on like, you're right. on like, what direction is this meant to go? Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I'm very, I'm very much into it. <laughs> yeah. All right, and to some more traditional DC books, we're going to take a trip to Gotham really quick for a couple books. Batgirls, number seven. Uh, Our second book by Becky Clinton and Michael W. Conrad, of course. Um, Let's see here. Art by Robbie Rodriguez. Uh, Colors by Rico Renzi and letter by Becca Carey. This is the start of the new arc, uh, which is only going to be a two-issue arc. I don't know if it's a filler arc or not. You might notice that the artist is actually different. The art is the same on the cover. Oh, okay. But it's a different interior artist. And um, I, I kind of like their art a lot. Um, <laughs> so that's Stephanie. Mm. And then you get Cass. Yeah, it actually looks, it looks really so, cool. I like it a lot. Um, they look more adult, which has been my main complaint with this book. Uh, but anyways... Um, it's the arc with Seer, uh, where Oracle's arch nemesis is asking them for their help now. And they basically, we find out they have to infiltrate the Iceberg Lounge. And to do so, there's so much security that they're not just going to bust in as vigilantes. They decide to go in as undercover. And the way they're going to do that is Barbara is going to go in a dress as if she's just going to the Iceberg Lounge. But she has a date, of course. And that date is Dick Grayson. Ha, nice. Is she going to tell him about flirting with her ex-boyfriend before he became a bad guy? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Justice for Starfire. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I um, I like it a lot. Um, I love Barbara in this. I love I love the the feeling of the of all of them together. And the last issue where they sacrificed the car to stop the bad guys, they now have mopeds, which is what Barbara bought them to begin with. And they're like, those are going to be too slow. And they find out they're like souped up mopeds. And they're like, wow, these are awesome, actually. She's like, I told you. Like, so it's been fun. I really enjoy the the chemistry between all three of them. So really good stuff. Um, next up, let's talk about Future State Gotham. Uh, <laughs> this book is so fun. It's so yeah. ridiculous because they can do whatever they want because it's not in, in canon. And I love that. Written by Dennis Culver, art by Giannis Mil- Milano Giannis and Jeffo, colors uh, no cover by Simone DeMeo and letter by Troy Pateri. Um, so we saw Batman six 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 come in, which is Damien, <laughs> of course. And I, I, there's only so many times I can see Bruce being the reason that Damien is hurt and tortured that I can't just fuck you, Bruce. <laughs> like you're the worst dad ever. Very. Like 
Damien went to hell for you because you couldn't be bothered to be like, oh, I'm alive, by the way. <laughs> like, so, but we do see um, a joke I like to make. Oops, all Batmans. Because <laughs> uh, we got Damien as Batman 666. We have uh, Jace, right? Jace is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Jace as the new Batman and our Batman we've been having. Then we got Dick Grayson being... The prophecy is foretold that I will be the Batman Batman, which is fucking stupid. This is such a weird dick racing. <laughs> we have Bruce slowly making his way back into the story. And then we have Hush being like, wait a minute. Why don't I do the one thing I'm known for, which is impersonate Batman? And he does. <laughs> so he's like, look, I'm, I'm Bruce Wayne. I love how, course, how animated Batman he looks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Solid square jaw. Like, it's great. And of course, he goes straight to Damien. He's like, "My son, I'm alive." And Damien's like, "Oh," and gives him a hug. So, um, I, I think it's really interesting. I, my the main thing I'm staring at is the fact that Dick is like, "I will be the only Batman," and he's very sure of this, and is willing yeah. to like fight over it. And I'm like, "That's not very Dick Grayson." Mm-hmm. The drugs went to his head, apparently. Oh, totally. Actually, I, yeah. I also like this uh, short hair Barbara uh, when she's like kind of doing the the background oh, there yeah. right now. Oh yeah, that that outfit like her as Oracle as like um a street hero instead of you know because that's the code name they gave they said Oracle they yeah. say Batgirl that's true so I like the I like the look I think it looks really cool yeah totally so, yeah. yeah good stuff anything you want to add I, it's just a fun book yeah I, I even like the 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 tag uh, story at the end like the the Batman six 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 backstory yeah. here <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good. All right, uh, and then our final DC book is a Bat book as well, and that is uh, Batman Urban Legends number 16. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long this anthology is going to go, because all the ongoing stories end in this issue. Okay. So we'll see if this is the end or if they're going to start up some new ones. Um, four stories, Batman and Zatanna, written by Vidayala, art by Nicholas Ismeja and Hayden Sherman, colors by Nick Filardi and letters by Steve Wands. Uh, Batman and Alfred, written by Josh Trujillo, art by Rosie Comp, colors by Marissa Louise, and letter by Trey Pateri. Birds of Prey, part three of three, uh, written by Che Grayson, uh, art by Serge Acuna, color by Ivan Placencia, and letter by Josh Reed. And Ace the Bat Hound, part six of six, Mark Russell writing, Carl Mostert drawing, colors by Trush Mulvihill, and letter by Steve Wands. Um... Obviously, the one I'm going to talk about the most is the Batman Zatanna one, because I love it. Um, it's been really, really good so far, and it wraps up in this perfect little six-parter. And, um, yeah, I think I think it was a really well-told story, and it's a lot of fun. And it also shows that like more friendly, happy Batman side, which I always like. Yeah. So, good stuff. Um, the Alfred story is a one-shot, and I really liked it. It's about... And a retirement home where people keep dying, so he goes undercover as a retiree. Um, and it, it, I thought that was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, it's a one one bit issue, so it's not too long, but it's really cool. The Birds of Prey story is really cool, and it's kind of open-ended leading into a further story. Ooh. So I'm hoping we get an actual mini for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one, of course, is the Ace of the Bat Hound one, which is a lot of fun. So this has been a really great uh, great. Uh, set of stories if we're gonna get a new set we'll see i think it's cool how they're like trying out new people for bat books on this to see if it works Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so 
Yep, good stuff. I uh, don't want to put too much highlight on any of them. They're all pretty good. But again, the Batman Zatanna one I really liked. And I actually really like the Birds of, Birds of Prey one, too. I like that team. Katana leading the way and stuff. So I kind of feel like that's how some Bat books should be like. Maybe they're like like not anthology per se, but make make them these like giant size like two two books in in one book to kind of like because Gotham is just so fucking big and and we always just say like, there's too many Bat books. It's kind of like keeping them like this like, a little more contained. Or maybe I will spread out spread books other way around the DC universe. I kind of like that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's the it of the DC books for this week. We're ready to move on to Marvel to wrap everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start with the Marvels, number 11, which we just found out is the penultimate issue. Yes, There's I should coming. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, creative team, written by Kurt Busiek, art by Yildare Sinar, colors by Guru EFX, and letter by Simon Boland. We get really meta. That's <laughs> the best way to put it. And uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. Um, we find out more about the actual threat and the the true identity of the power source and everything that's going on um, and how worldwide the problems are right now. We get a little tease of that at the beginning with the Hulk smashing someone, you know, like yeah. shit's going down around the globe and this it's up to this team to stop them. I thought that was really cool. I also like the fact that Kevin was the only one who had cash, and I like <laughs> I like to think that's the only reason he was there in my head. I think that's funny. Um, but yeah, really, really, really interesting. I just love the group. I love the mix of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like the new characters quite a bit. Warbird. I can't wait to see more from oh, her. Oh, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got one issue left, so I won't get too much into it because I want to wait for that last issue. But what'd you think? Yeah, same. I, if anything, out of all 11 issues so far. This one went by like the quickest. Like uh, so some of the issues were, were pretty dense or like there's like a whole like issue on uh on Black Lotus and like her like a profile issue on her. Uh this one just like read by so fast cuz like like we're coming to to that end game. So yeah, I'm kind of saving uh, my opinions for like for the ending too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's been good so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh next up is Iron Fist. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love this book. I got this cover, by the way, with all the Iron Fists. Oh, I didn't even see that one. That one's awesome. Because you ever put Orson Randall on a cover, I'm gonna buy it. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's even got the Pirate Queen mm-hmm. inside. Like That's awesome. I mean, technically, Okoye should be on here because she was an Iron Fist recently. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Written by Alyssa Wong, art by Michael Eage. Uh, colors by J. David Ramos and letter by Travis Lanham. This issue was so much fun mm-hmm. because it brought back two amazing characters that I know we both really like. Yeah. Especially one of them <laughs> that everybody loves. But yeah, the new Iron Fist comes face to face with two immortal weapons, Fat Cobra and Bride of Nine Spiders. Um. And they have to have a fight. And the Fat Cobra fight is amazing. I still love every time they do a fight with Fat Cobra. It's always cool and epic and just oh, so totally. good. So um, that was cool. But there's obviously a lot more going on. And slowly but surely, Danny Rand is getting closer to the situation. So I'm, I, I know last time I said I kind of missed Danny being in the book last issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming, baby. It's coming. <laughs> He's going to train him. Um, but yeah, really cool. I like I like the art going and with you know everything going on. I just think it's been a really, really great run. Um, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. I would like to point out the cover for the next issue oh, yeah. as what very much looks to be Loki. Oh, totally. Absolutely. So interesting to see where that goes. I, I, I didn't even notice. Like, like I, I, I didn't even see the, the next cover, but yeah, immediately. 
Yeah, what did you think of the book? Uh, it's awesome. Honestly, I, I've been loving this Iron Fist. Lin Lee is just a cool character, and I can't wait for him to get, like, late. I mean, not just this one, but, like, his solo book that doesn't necessarily pursue, like, like the, the shards in his fucking arms, like him, him, him being at 100% and then focusing on what he needs to do. I'm, I'm all about for his MU future. I've been. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of Danny in a advisory role, teaching him how to actually harness the chi properly and stuff. Or even then, like obviously he, having problems with it. even then in this one, like his power is clicked off. So it's kind of like, you know what? Like, fuck it. I need to rely on my martial arts. And then he does. He starts kicking ass. And maybe what if what if Danny gets too close to him? He doesn't have it. Oh right, and it gates it because it can't share it. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be interesting. But yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about a physical release of a digital only comic, and I know we were both very happy about yes. this. Hulk Clean and Wiccan number one, uh, written by Josh Trujillo, art by Jody Nishijima, colors by Matt Mee, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Um, this is obviously the the first arc of the digital comic on Marvel Unlimited. Check out Marvel Unlimited. There's a lot of great comics you guys aren't reading, and they're fantastic. But this is kind of an alternate world. Uh, it presents us with an alternate world of how can Wiccan and Hulkling be happy without each other? Um, or Teddy and Billy, I should say. Um, and the kind of person that they would be attracted to... Um, if they weren't attracted to each other, which I thought was really interesting because I think it's very fascinating that Billy needed a project. You know what I mean? Like he needed a problem to solve. Whereas Teddy, you would think being the big bulky one is the one, you know, but he, he wants up, he wants a daddy, (laughs) like, you know, like, and I thought that was really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, go big is a fantastic name, by the way. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. I'm looking forward to more of it. And I want to go actually catch up on Marvel in the minute so I know where it's going. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cool. And the introduction of the use of Agatha Harkness, I thought was a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, using her more with Billy makes so much sense to me. Oh, totally. So I think that as soon as I saw that, I'm like, it just clicked with me. I'm like, that's brilliant. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I love this so much. Uh, like, like uh like i started the episode with i've been reading a lot of gay books so this is just like so it just fit perfectly with everything i've been reading i was like the tone and like the little cuteness uh, over everything and yeah it's like do i want to wait for the next physical release or should i just hop on the app because i really want to know more about the story yeah it's uh it's interesting yeah i, well, I definitely i think i'm, I'm probably gonna jump on to be honest mm-hmm. If I could not read the miniseries or the the short story for Rain, I doubt I'm going to be able to skip this one. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, next up, Captain America: Central of Liberty number one. I got the Scotty Young cover. I had to too. The, co- <laughs> the cover, a, the cover A, like the face, just gave me such Liefeld vibes. I just couldn't do it. I just, I just love it. <laughs> like, like I think it's cute. So. Um, so this is the launch of the new Captain America run, uh, for Steve. We've already seen the Sam one. So written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero, letter by Joe Carabagna with coloring by Nolan Woodard. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think it takes Cap back to basis. Yes. Um, I love the idea of him picking this apartment and then we find out this apartment he was raised in Mm -hmm. and that no one knows. And that's kind of cool. You know, like, yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. Um, 
And it's given me, uh, like, I love when you give a street-level hero a group of associates that are humans. Mm-hmm. That are just normal. And I think that's I think that really helps here. Um, I love the whole thing with him taking... I Actually, my favorite thing about this book was him going back to community college to study art. I love he was, that part. He was going to be an artist when he was younger. Oh, gotcha. That's always been what he wanted to do. He never wanted to be a soldier. He just stood up because America needed him, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea of him learning how to draw on a fucking, you know, like digital pad and stuff. being too aggressive on the pad. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. And it give, and immediately I love the way that scene was set out because it literally just introduces us to three of his related characters as NPCs, if you will, in one page, gives you an idea of who each one of them is, and you can just flawlessly keep using them from here. Oh, totally. And I re- really, really like that. The way that was done. Or even or he does, like he 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 goes to outings with them, like together or yeah. individually. You see them in the coffee shop. You see her at the, the baseball game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's really cool. And then the kid that lives in the house with him. And then, of course, the radio crew, the radio company, which I thought <laughs> was so cool. Like, that was so much fun. A lot going on in this issue. And um, it does seem like a lot of this is going to be tied to Bucky. And th- that kind of leads us to the code. So I pulled it up because I wanted to talk to you about it. Right. So there's a bit of gibberish on the uh, cover of issue four and using the code, uh, I'll give credit to, um, to let's see. I want to make sure they're the original ones to do it. AIPT. Okay. Yeah. It looks like they're the ones who actually did it. They're not just reporting it to AIPT and our friend, Chris Franey from pointing to it. Um, that, Oh, and he's one of the ones that wrote it, by the way, Chris and David. Ooh, nice. Um, this gibberish they translated to the son of Rogers will begin the Cold War. Wait, what? Oh, wait, <laughs> wait. I mean, like obviously, like just just by the ending there. Obviously, you're thinking, like you, you you just think Winter Soldier. You think of Bucky. But this book but also not the son. He's his friend, right? And that, that's what I was getting at. This issue brought up Dimension Z, where he had his son. But it was like, but then he died. But then he not didn't really die. So I, I don't remember what his then if he died again or not. Uh, but if that's the code, then shit. Yep. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll I'm see if, if if he comes back because I really liked his son too. Like he gets to grow. He gets to grow old and he be, become a character. Um, so that's, that's fucking interesting. Or it could be a new son for all we know. True. So, uh, a couple other things that were decoded in the background, their game board is civilization. Um, the board is set for the new revolution. Oh, ooh. the power runs through Latveria. Huh? Betrayal is coming to the house of Carter. Oh, mental organism designed only for control, which is the Modoc thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So lots of stuff here. Um, it's a cool thing to check out. I'll send you the link later if you want to. It's look so crazy because even that because like what I love about thi- this book um, is I, I I love a grounded uh, Captain America book. It, it seems like it, it, it seems like it's never really like once you start following the MU or specifically Cap books, you you kind of put it together that it's never really up to the writers. It's really what Marvel wants where Cap to be. Uh, so you, so you always get Cap either running Shield, around Shield, uh, part of a team, never really by himself having his own apartment. Like I, that's why I it, it took me back to like the the Brubaker run, 
where he was kind of doing his solo thing. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, I I'm all about this book where he doesn't have to be tied with every other fucking organization. He can just be Steve Rogers. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm very excited about it. So because yeah, because we do have the the Sam Wilson book to be the the cat book. So so I like that. Yeah. They're, I like that they're not going to be two of the same book. Yeah. Next up. Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number two. Did you end up reading number one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you read number two? No, no, no. Okay. It's an anthology, so they're each individual stories mm-hmm. anyways. Uh, three stories written by Benjamin Percy and Vanessa Del Rey. Uh, second one, David Popose, Leonardo Romero, and Chris Sotomayor. And last one by Patch Zercher, with lettering by Corey Petit across the board. Um, so three stories. One, the first one's really interesting. Uh, you can check out the art here if you want. Uh, it's very sketchy, which nice. I think is cool. And it's about Moon Knight basically being like, can you take these personalities out of my head to Doctor Strange? And like the possible negative consequences for doing so. It's really cool. It's very dark. Very awesome. Second one's written by David Propose and probably my favorite one of the issue um, where he literally, it opens with him literally crawling into an all night diner covered in blood. <laughs> Okay. And the lady's like, evening, Mr. Knight, and make, you know, doesn't react to him being covered in blood. <laughs> She's like, I got the usual ready for you, and she points him over to a booth where Stephen, Jake, and Konshu are all sitting in the booth, right? Oh, yeah. And she can't see them, but they're there. And so he sits down, and he's like, all right, let's go ahead and just like take care of this. Who's responsible for the knife wound? So he's covered in wounds and doesn't remember why. Because he wasn't in charge at the time. Yeah. So slowly but surely, each of them takes, you know, responsibility for things. Like, oh, oh, the knife wound, it's a, that's Jake Lockley. He's like, it's actually a claw from Vermin. I fought Vermin, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, what about the other shoulder? And it's like, first degree burns. And it's like, uh, oh, it's like, oh, that was Stephen Grant. I fought um, uh, Crossfire, one of his villains and stuff. And then he's like, all right, but... And then, like, a tooth fills out. He's like, what the? And then <laughs> Khonshu, being himself, is like, do not do not be surprised, Avatar. You already know my great works do not come without sacrifice. He's like, what the hell did you do, Khonshu? For millennia, I have dispatched all number, all manner of celestial upstarts who have craved my power. The latest challenge was unworthy of my Avatar's attention. And it's him just wrecking Juggernaut. <laughs> oh, shit. Nice. <laughs> Which I thought was great. So, basically, he has to, like, take into account of all of his injuries and stuff. It's really fun. And the last one is almost like a Punisher War Journal story, which I thought was really cool. Um, it, it's very much like um, like boots on the ground, guns, uh, fighting like another like you know gun wielding dude, doing some very brutal stuff. He ends up doing something very violent <laughs> to stop the guy. So good stuff. I, I've been loving this. I'm not big on the Black, White, and Blood runs, but Moon Knight I'll always pick up. So and David Fafos, good job, love it. Next up. Uh, we're going to swing over to the streets of New York for a little while. And we're going to talk about some eight-legged books. Nice. Josue, start me off with Savage Spider-Man 4. This one is in New York this, uh, this time around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Savage Spider-Man. God, I love this book. Uh, th- th- this one really, really turned around for me to liking it. Uh, written by Joe Kelly. Uh, penciled by Gerardo Sandoval. And just, just based on their typo. Uh, inks by Gerardo Sandoval, Victor Nava, and... Gerardo Sandoval, <laughs> uh, Chris Sotomayor on the colors, and uh, Travis Lanham on, on inks. So, where we last, last left off is that Wolf and Baron Zemo came into agreement being like, yo, we're both right, 
the whole separate but equal bullshit. Wolf wants to make his side uh, smart as fuck. I, I, Baron Zemo is joining up so he can make his uh, Aaron side uh, super like super smart as well. But where they're each going to go to their own respected origin uh, continents. <laughs> separate but equal. It's so fucking stupid. Uh, and at the end of it, um, they uh, they killed Peter like in, in his savage Spider-Man form and his like half monstrous spider form. They incinerated him, but he turned to a cocoon, and out came out a cold, overly logical Peter Parker. Like it's like his eyes are red as fuck. Like you, see, you still see like the the circles for like separating like the white to like the irises and pupils, but it's red on red on like the black people. And again, overly logical. It opens up with him, like he, he just he just starts talking to himself. Like observation: the immaculate base our operations is re, uh, is a repurposed Hydra flying fortress already out of range. Zemo ship in route to join is my only means of access. Obstacles: maximum my maximum uh, vertical leap at peak performance is fifty yards. I am not a uh, peak performance. And he starts going into like uh, all, all the shit that he has to do. He literally grabs a fucking. Um, a 250 pound manhole cover to like hook it onto something. So you can kind of like use that extra, uh, 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 extra variables to like to make the leap. And yeah, he makes it, he makes it into the ship and then he makes one of the sickest fucking Spider-Man suits I've ever seen. I tweeted about it. There's like, like some great fucking panels. It is awesome. It's all tactical as fuck. Um, cause again, he's, he, he, um, he stormed into, uh, the fucking uh, into Zemo ship, and so uh, so he pretty much like gets all the all the body uh, all the bodyguards armor, and he armors himself up in six uh, six Spider Man outfit. Zemo finds out that the way Wolf has been doing all of this is that he gave uh, the Mad Thinker the 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 A plus serum, so you get this Mad Thinker giant ass brain. Jesus. And he's just been running. He's been giving Wolf all the answers. Uh, or get, like, he, Wolf has been getting all the answers for, through him. And then everything goes horribly wrong for them. Uh, there's like, like the alarms are going off. And then through the speakers, Peter Parker starts threatening them. Uh, and uh, they're, they're going on the, scan, on, the, on the screens that like, like, that he's basically planted bombs on seven strategic parts in the ship, like on all the engine rooms. So it's going to go down and they immediately start falling for it. Like, like they literally start like, just like freaking the fuck out. Zemo's kind of like, wait, like this isn't, this isn't kind of, this isn't kind of right. He, cause he's the only one that can actually think straight. Everybody's like super fucking smart. Like Wolf and his, and his, and his posse are all like super into the, into the, has a super intellect right now, but they're overthinking. Uh, and, and because Peter Parker has the same mentality as them, he's overthinking them at the moment. So he, they literally start playing into every single one of his traps. And, and Zemo's telling him it's like to take a step back and think about it because it's not really how a Spider-Man would be playing out all these all these situations. Right. Um, Spider-Man gets a drop on them. Uh, he's literally kicking ass. Like this suit looks fucking incredible. And um, and Wolf is just like, well, fuck it, fuck all. Like we're not we're not at the right altitude because they're about to like send the bombs for throughout the world. But Peter's kind of like, yeah, like the most damage you can do. It's, it's how calculated he is. Like the, again, like the over, the over logical, um, Peter Parker here is that. Yeah. Cause he was kind of like, it's a, it's a bluff. Like, um, 
he doesn't know if the salvation of, of, of the morons below us lies in the ship. And then through the speaker, Zima will assume that this is a bluff. The rest of you will comprehend the math. There are roughly 700,000 living victims of the A-plus uh, Picotech in Memphis and New York. The population of Earth is 7.75 billion. 0.009% of the population is an acceptable loss to stop you. And Zima's immediately like, that's that's not him. But Wolf is just like, fuck that. Then fire everything. Um, we'll just we'll just we'll just get whatever intellect we get from this bombardment, and then so be it. <laughs> Which pushes Peter to be like, "Oh, you you did that? Okay, cool." Like he he goes to like the main computer that can, can like, the only computer that can control the A plus program, so it can be where it can be re- redirected. Um, and then Zemo. <laughs> He goes, uh, Spider goes, thank you. Now I can work uninterrupted. And he was like, say what now? And, and what was like, he, he wanted us to fire the missiles prematurely, wanted me to ensure the A plus program couldn't be reprogrammed. He's going to take over the mainframe from inside. And Peter goes, you stole genius. I was born one. Which, which one of us should reprogram the world? And he gets hooked into the machine. And we'll see what happens after that because this is so sick as fuck. It is savage as hell. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, staying in New York for another one, Ben Riley, Spider-Man number five, Ooh. final of the series. Um, so written by J.M. DeMatteis, art by David Baldion, colored by Israel Sylvan, letter by Joe Caramagna. Um, yeah, basically there's a just, uh, we saw everything going on with Spider's side and he uh, let everybody in Ravencroft out of their, their cells to attack. And it's kind of like one of those Spider-Man moments, and it's given to Ben Riley, obviously, where he has to hold back uh, like all of his his villains. Like, so that's basically what's going on. Um, he has to do it. Also, he's trying to like talk sense in the Spider side. There's also a really touching storyline with Vermin um, in it because Vermin's his best friend in this, and uh, who doesn't have powers, he's like su- su- suppressed his powers because he's going to therapy. And Spider side does something to him to make Vermin come out. So Ben has to handle Vermin without hurting him, and it's just really, really cool. So I really enjoyed it, uh, and it comes to a satisfying end. I, I, I do really like um, uh, Ben Riley. I love David Baldion's art. It's just really, really cool. So um, I also got this tease at the end coming soon: Spider-Man: The Lost Hunt. Ooh! So not the last hunt, like Craven's last. Yeah, hunt, yeah. The Lost Hunt, hmm. and no creative team attached to that yet. So we'll see what that's going to be. So. Next up in our Spidey journey, what if Miles Morales number four? What if Miles Morales became Thor? Uh, written by Yehudi Mercado, art by Luigi Zagaria, colored by Chris Sotomayor, and lettered by Cory Petit. This had so much character to it, and I loved it. It was also a very traditional like Thor story, like the idea of it, like, but then done from Miles's point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, from like, um, like the whole like, oh. Loki's going to trick you into doing a thing and now you have to fix it. Like that's just so traditionally Thor and I love it. Um, I love that the narration was like a freestyle rap theme. In the beginning. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like I loved that so much. Um, and just really cool. I mean, I love that we're having fun with these adaptations and we're not trying to take them too seriously. You know what I mean? So uh, really cool. And I like the idea that the end that we got to tease that maybe they're all going to be working together. Including with our, uh, our, our 616 miles. Nope. 1016 miles. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But I thought I thought it was really cool. 
And yeah, um, I enjoyed the book quite a bit. Is there anything you want to add? Uh, I feel like this one just like was a, a little too fun for me. Like there was just like I felt like the the hip hop references came a little too fast or a little too back to back. Um, and just like didn't like I know it was meant to be taken too seriously because it was like the Thor ha- half of it all. But I, I, that that was just like the part. It's like these are just like they're having a little too much fun with this one. <laughs> That's your opinion. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> my part. So, yeah. Um, no, I liked it. I thought it was fun. So, but because we'll get to why uh, I'm loving that two things are happening at once. We'll talk about that mm. in a second. But next, Spider-Man 2099 Exodus. Hostway caught up. Um, written by Steve Orlando, art by Marco Castiello, colored by Antonio Fabella, and letter by Joe Caramagna. So, in the previous issue, we dealt with Winter Soldier 2099 and her portion of what happened. And now we're shifting focus to Loki 2099 and. First of all, character design, dope, mm-hmm. love it. Um, I love that this series has been basically a tour of the 2099 universe. It's not been really just about Spider-Man. Right. It's been about touching everything. Because if you read the original 2099 series, or series, various, various series, there we go, um, the Norse stuff is basically a cult to Thor. And they're essentially bad guys. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see where the, where this came from. And I really like this actually. Um, I also like the touch of using Mysterium, which has been recently featured in Cohen books, mm-hmm. uh, tying everything together. So I thought that was really cool, but I like the story. I like what Loki did here. And I like how, um, I like the future, the future of Asgard, if you will. Um, so I really think that's cool. And I like that we have a new Valkyrie. I guess it's safe to say that's not too much of a spoiler who is definitely going to be a bit of an ally once everything comes together. So art's really cool. It's just been really, really great uh, overall. What did you think, Osway, as someone who didn't really talk about this before? Uh, no, th- this is a, uh, a cool story. I-, I do like these like side stories, these, these side uh, updates around the 2099 uh, world. And I, 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 they never explained it, but like, what happened to her arm, per se? Was, was that part of her? Um the, the 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 branchy arm on the on the Valkyrie. It, it, I, I like that touch on on her. I'm not sure if it was like yeah. a curse or, or a, something that happened to her. But uh, yeah. the the reveal that's like the I lied part. I I, I thought that part was dope as fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. It's like what did you expect? Like I love that. <laughs> like so yeah, really cool. I'm kind. I'm very curious to see what they're going to be doing next right because the next issue is like the team-up book but it's like we'll see what the spin is you know or where one we thing, go the one thing that marvel hasn't touched on in 2099 even with the last crossover is we haven't gotten an x-men 2099 update in a while Ooh, okay and i'm wondering if they're even going to touch on that or if it's so drastically different now that it's you know it's going to be different so oh we'll on issue number five Huh? Uh, in the back, when you have like these, these profiles, it's it issue. Oh, yeah. Each of these are are what the oh, issues, each of these are what the issues are going to be about. Like number two, you can see like, the um, Winter Soldier. Uh, number two is oh, like yeah, yeah. Number five. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious there. And then Omega, of course, is the conf- confrontation with Norman. So. <laughs> All right, awesome. And our final Spidey book is Spider Gwen Gwenverse number three. So I got this A cover. Okay. Ooh, cool. And I still absolutely love this Captain America design, by the way. I do too. Yeah. But I also got the Greg Land cover, because of course I did. <laughs> so with Gwenverine. Uh so creative team, 
Tim Seeley writing, Jody Nishishima are drawing, Juan Fernandez coloring, and letter by Ariana Mayer. In this one, we are introduced into Iron Gwen. Uh, so she she ends up joining the group. Um, there's this whole thing about like um, she ties into like Howard Stark and Norman Osborn or Tony Stark, I believe it was. Which her name in this is um, it's Tony Stacy. Oh, okay. Because I guess Tony gave her his first name instead of his last name. <laughs> uh, so because um, that's something Tony would do. But there's a lot of fun with all the Gwens working together. This one has been the Gwens working together from the beginning, not like the Miles one where they're all coming together right at the end. Um, but it's like a little bit of a tragic story, too. I really like it. And they do tease the next one, which is we check in with the Kree High Intelligence. And they're talking about how Captain Marvel has perished. Clone him. Clone him into the form of this being and points to, to Gwen Stacy for to be the new Captain Marvel. Oh, so, oh, yeah. So that's the next step. I love this book. I have too much fun with it. It's, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say with the Miles one. It's it's basically as fun as that Miles one, but all the way through. Right, right. <laughs> like so, I, it's Tim Seeley. I mean, you know, I love it. So, which takes us out of the streets of New York and over across the ocean to Krakoa for two books. Wolverine twenty two is where we're gonna start. Josue, did you pick up Wolverine twenty two? I did. What cover did you get? <laughs> <laughs> like yes, hell yeah. I go, oh, okay. Only because like they only had these variants left, but then upon picking it up, it's like, yo, no joke. This is gonna be a cosplay for me. Once I get, yeah. once I get the like, once I lose this fucking belly, it's game over for y'all. This cosplay right. will be a weekly fucking thing. I have like three different fucking docs, and it was, it was the reason why I went with this one as well. It's like the fucking docs. I love it. It's for those wondering. It's the Hell, uh, the Hellfire Gala, um, Laura, Laura Wolverine uh, costume. It's, it's like the simplest stuff. one piece to just throw a belt and like a yellow thing over. <laughs> yeah. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, color by Frank Martin, and letter by Corey Petit. We are continuing the Deadpool Wolverine team up. <laughs> 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 um, I like how they get out of the cage because Wolverine's like, wait a minute. I can just chop you in half and throw half of you. Now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can throw half of you through the cage. So that's what he does to God. It's great. I love that he consistently and constantly abuses Wade this entire issue. I feel like it's like he's been so wrapped up on Krakoan laws that he just remembered that you can just actually have fun with Deadpool like this. Like yeah. like the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Like he seems to hurt him when he doesn't need to. That's what that's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I really like that. So uh, but it's been fun, and it's all centered around Danger, and I'm just so curious to see what's going on with Danger, because of the whole you know, Kirkoa bans high artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Danger is very much their artificial intelligence. From the beginning. <laughs> Are they cutting her off because of this, you know? Oh. And then the little baby Danger. That's interesting, so. I really liked it, though. It's fun. It's like nice and violent. It's got that. I think it had the right balance of Deadpool humor in this one, mm-hmm. whereas some of them can be a little overwhelming. I thought this one. Well, I think I think it's because the humor was happening to Deadpool. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, but I, and he's I, also he wasn't really narrating all the way through like true. the first issue. Uh huh. So, um, also like when they finally leave, and um, oh God, what's her name? The one who picks him up, uh, Blind Al. Blind Al. Did, did you see uh, behind uh, in the back seat? The two uh, plushies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've been waiting. I've been waiting uh, for them to go back to, to the mansion. 
Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's like this is going to be interesting. <laughs> they did in that one issue of Hellions. That's true. And that was the only time we've seen them go back. Mm-hmm. So interesting. All right, that brings us to our final book. X-Men Red number three. Awesome. I got this, I got this cover. Aww, aww. I believe that's Mondo. I, I think so too. Yeah, because he's like he's shirtless. First of all, mm-hmm. Mondo's always shirtless. Like, always kind the of hair. I think it's the hair for me. I adore Mondo. He's fucking great. Um. Also, the subtitle of this issue is Al Ewing up on his bullshit again, and I love it. <laughs> R- written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colored by Federico Blee and Fernando Sofentes of Proto Bunker, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Oh my god. Okay, so the chess match between Brand and Storm, it's just getting worse and worse. And Brand isn't very good at this. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, huh. Um, basically, Brand, we saw in the last issue, convinced Vulcan, hey, maybe you should be on the council for Erico. You know, all you have to do is beat and kill somebody and you can take it. And he's like, yeah, I should be. I'm Vulcan <laughs> and I'm crazy as balls. Um, so... Yeah, that's basically the plan, and our brotherhood are trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do about this? And first of all, we got to talk about the Fisher King and Magneto being the gayest. Every time, every fucking issue. My boys are in in Max's mansion every fucking night. Yeah. Like, Like when Fisher King says, like, we see you, Max. You have a place in the broken land. You don't say that if it's not so. Yep. That means a great deal to me, Fisher. I'm like, in the time I've known you, you've become a dear and valued friend. Gay. Make <laughs> like, it so. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And when we when we say these things, let's make it perfectly clear. We want this to happen. Oh, We're for sure. One hundred percent. Like, read X Men Red number one and tell us other fucking wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta say. I love Roberto in this issue, which is a big surprise, mm-hmm. I know, um, because I love Roberto in every issue of everything. But I really like the way he's drawn in this one. Yeah. Um, also, I really like the cable tease at the beginning. Oh, that that whole scene? Oh, fuck yeah, Manifold. that was awesome. John? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, specifically Roberto in this scene, I think he just looks hot. Yeah. Time. Oh, totally. <laughs> so, um, they're basically like, hey, why don't you take Tarn's place instead of Hulkin? And Magneto's like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And that's when they're like, you know, you're just as much part of this planet as, you know, whatever. And then we see the team in the in the crowd. And Berto, being my boy, rocks up, walks up to Iska the Unbeaten. Of course, he would go for Iska the Unbeaten. Like, let's ignore the twist later, okay? Of course, he would be like, unbeaten, you say. Well, <laughs> challenge accepted. She's, she's never met Sunspot. <laughs> like, I love him so much. And just to me, he's like, I hear you always win at everything. They say love is a battlefield. <laughs> like just immediately, my boy just going straight for it. His his girl is missing. <laughs> Deathbird is missing right now. <laughs> this dude's a piece of shit. I love him. Um, so basically, they sit together to watch the fight, and <laughs> it's fantastic because Vulcan, Vulcan for all of his power, isn't very well trained. Yeah, true. Like if you think about it, he had one mission with the X-Men and failed because it was a, because it was a sped up training process to add that. Yes. So he doesn't have the hand to hand thing. Cause I'm sure he's the kind of person who leans on his powers way too much. Very much. So basically long story short, him and Tarn have a powers are neutralized moment. So they have to fist fight and he gets his ass handed to him 
by Tarn. Tarn wins. And he's like, who will challenge me now? And our boy Magneto flies I out. will. Badass. Comes out. And then my favorite moment in the entire book, because it's so well done, <laughs> is Iska and Sunspot. He's basically asking her about the powers. And he's just like, at one point he said something like, uh, do you, would you be able to drain your power? She's like, no, I can't turn mine off. And then so this moment happens, and he's like, she's like, oh, this is poor timing. Tarn's powers are returning. He'll stall, and then he'll slaughter Magneto. And he's like, sadly, I have to agree, Iska. I bet you Tarn wins. <laughs> and then her face, like, you motherfucker. She freaks out. Remember, remember when she didn't vote at the council meeting? Because if she voted, she would win. Mm-hmm. So she's probably very careful about taking sides. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want to predetermine everything. Right. So he does it to her, and she's like, you motherfucker, basically. Like, and she threatens him, and Storm's like, put him down. And I just love she kills him. Fucking Roberto, that's how you lose without losing. And she's choking the life from him. Like, I'm like, yes, that's She cracks the neck. Yeah. Oh, did she actually kill? Oh, yeah, I didn't even see that in the last um, the last panel. Okay, <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> so that's great. Um, and then it, it's in it's this great moment. The fight is so fucking great. Where, like, do you accept the challenge? And Tarn's like, yes, I do accept the challenge. And Magneto just is like, thunk. Drops his helmet <laughs> on Tarn's head. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, your control of DNA is psychokinetic in nature. My helmet blocks mental powers, and it's made of metal. Goodbye, Tarn. <laughs> like, I, was like, like, I was like, this is blood on my hand. I accept. He's not like this, please. And just wrecks him immediately. Right before I was Mag- going to say, I yeet. Crush. Yeah. Magneto sits in the seat of loss. <laughs> yes. This has been... Like I know that I know that Immortal X Men is billed as like the soap opera. Uh-huh. This is just as much of a soap opera. Oh, and I love fuck it. yes! But the one in space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's so cool, and I'm loving it. It's just, oh, it's so good. I love this book. It's fantastic. It might be the best X book right now. I'd right really now? have Ooh. to sit and think about it. I'd rather like look at them for a second, but I, honestly, for sure, three issues in, I did and really like Knights of X. But yeah, it might be like it's so good. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. that's it. That's my last book, Josue. Oh, I, uh, I, t- I want to touch up on the part where, uh, oh yeah, right before the fight starts with uh, with Vulcan, the Vul- the first fight, uh, we were talking about how Sunspot went to Iska, but I like how Storm goes to Korra. I was just like, yeah. hey, so I know you've been kind of like eh, thinking about uh, Brand's team. Yo, shit sucks over there. You should come with us instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to go to a loser team. <laughs> <laughs> And I like that this is also an example of why they are the superior team. Literally happening in front of them while they're having that conversation. Yep. Is, look, we outsmarted her. Mm-hmm. Like, so that, I think that's really cool, too. So, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. What else have you been reading? Okay, my side reads uh, have been very important reads. Uh, I opened up with Genderqueer, a memoir by uh, Maya Kobabe. This is an important read. This is uh, should be on everybody's collection. It is such a true, true and honest, endearing story on oneself, discovering oneself. And, and, and it's, again, it's like, I haven't read like a really, I haven't really read a nonfiction book in quite a while. I guess like maybe since, uh, uh, the, the four paw tales, the, the four, four paw tales or whatever. Uh, but this one was just, especially just because it's, uh, especially for pride right now, but this is just really fucking good. It belongs in everybody's personal collection. Uh, then a book that came out this year, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was Kisses for Jet. And this is actually a very cool, a very good one. It's, uh, it's, it takes place throughout the 90s, and it's another uh, coming-of-gender story. Um, 
but it's set like in the in the Netherlands, so you do get this like almost like a different vibe of a culture, even though it's very much focused on on music, specifically American music with uh, with Nirvana. And there's like, a whole place in the back. There's a like, Jeff Buckley reference. I just really fucking love. But it's about Jet, who her parents have to go work abroad, and she has to be put in a in a boarding school. And it's just like it's full of kids where just like they tell her how she should be, or that that she she acts more like of a boy. But in this case, instead of like being like harmful like in, in other ways it's more like like, like she kind of feels this or knows this it's kind of more like people are people are, like everybody's telling me this instead of like reaching this for for, for my own but it's it's a very it's, it's a very good touching story um i, I really like this this one's by uh yoris bosbacher like his for jet and then the one i read that is oh my god dude dude you gotta get your hands on this book snapdragon praise for fucking snapdragon uh, working on books and pictures, this one was recommended. Like all these were recommended to me, but this one was praised as well. Actually, it was it was books and pictures best selling book of last year, and then it was I forget how it was mentioned, but I'm pretty sure it was just like it's not like an opinion, but it sounded more like a fact. But it's one of the best books of the last decade. So I'm like, oh, okay, like a bet, you know. Um, and so I asked, like, oh, is this like a is it a series? It's like no, it's it's, it's self contained story. It's it's fine, but it's really good. So it's like all right, like. How, like I mean, like obviously, a lot of self-contained books are are praised are can be very good. I'm reading it and I'm crying every 25 pages, every reveal, every fucking bomb that drops on you is so well put. It's so perfectly <laughs> paced. It's like how can I have all of these elements? It's like just for the sake of like, oh, it'll be good if we have that. It'll be good if we throw that that little spin on there. But it never feels convoluted it never feels just packed it's like it's so perfect keith uh i'm gonna get this book for you i'm gonna send it to you because it's one that i know you will love i know you want to I, I know you're gonna want to pass it down to your niece because like you know you pass like comics to her this is that it's, it's, it's a ya book it's it's so important it is so fucking good it literally it instantly became uh, it got drawn up to my top 10 of all time it's 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 that good of a book and i'm not i'm overhyping it but it's because i couldn't believe the hype to begin with and then i started devouring the pages it is amazing nice yeah uh when you read laura olympus I, like, <laughs> I actually almost cashed in my twitch points to pick your next read to make it laura olympus well it's after you've already picked everything so i'm like it's what he's gonna read well, anyways it later. was like, it honestly it was but then um and obviously it's, 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 it's no fault to to the book and to the creators but then like the whole uh the ad thing was like i'm just gonna Put Laura Olympus a little, couple of more down for a second. That supports the creator. I don't think Webtoons. Oh, I mean, I already supported the creator by reading by buying it. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I don't think Webtoons gets it gets anything from the book at all. Okay, good. I think that's her publishing. So nice. Uh, I haven't read much. Um, it's been a busy week. I've been trying to catch up on TV. Um, I was able to finish Boba Fett. Ooh, nice. And I called Liz into the living room because she hadn't seen it, and I said, "I'm going to show you the 15 minutes you need to see a Boba Fett." <laughs> And it was all Baby Yoda, for the record. Okay. and Because that's all she gives a shit about. Um, so I showed her the 15 minutes of Baby Yoda and Boba Fett. She's like, cool. I'm like, yeah, now you're good. That's all you need to know. I'm like, I can tell you the plot if you want. She's like, I don't care. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so that was pretty much it. Um, I caught up on the Orville. Mm -hmm. And the Orville, for those who don't know, is it's a Star Trek inspired show made by Seth MacFarlane from Family Guy. Cannot be and called a parody anymore. 
Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's too good, and it's not like it doesn't make it doesn't make fun of it. It's not doing that. It's it's a comedy, but also this new season is not very funny. Mm. It's very real. It's Let's very just say Star the Trek. first episode, the main storyline or the main question they deal with is suicide. Wow. Okay. Like, does someone have the right to end their life when they're ready to? Like, that's it's Seth MacFarlane, and like, and I, I made a joke that I think he wanted to do something like this. And he made the first two seasons funnier so that people, he would trick his fans into liking it and then yeah. he could start doing what he wants. That's why I changed the sh- show's name to the Orville New Horizons. Huh. So, fantastic. I love it. It's fantastic. Check it out. Uh, but again, I've mostly watched TV. The only thing I've read was, um, I, I read the, the Grisha verse novel, <laughs> Six uh. of Crows again. Uh, I haven't started Dune yet because I haven't had a chance to sit down and actually focus and it's, it's dense. So I need to do mm-hmm. that. Um, other than that, I've mostly been reading D&D books because I'm preparing to start a very big new part of our campaign where I am building everything. Oh. We are, we're currently level 14. Oh, nice. So it's high-end campaigns can be difficult, especially if you have nothing to build off of. So Nice. Yeah, I have till next Tuesday for that. So I've been doing that mostly. Still no Miss Marvel? Um, not yet. Okay. It's, it's on the list. You know? <laughs> I got um, you. Liz also made me watch Dope Sick. Okay. And something else. Like, we watched, like, six TV shows this, this week. So. Nice. Um, but in lieu of me not reading anything, I would like to recommend some Tim Sale books for people. Yeah. As a, as a way to close out. So um, I'll go with you're a DC fan or a Marvel fan. So DC, obviously, we talked about The Long Halloween and Superman for All Seasons. The underrated one is Catwoman Win in Rome. Yes. That book is great. Check it out. If you're a Marvel fan, you've probably seen these. And I cannot. And I'm actually, I'm just going to assume Josue agrees with me on this. I cannot recommend enough picking up the color series, oh. which is Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, and Captain America White. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially a lot of people love Spider-Man Blue. It's just, it's, um, it's the ending. Like, there's, it's, a, it's a really, really touching one. I'm, ar- I'm already getting fucking goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, it's the part where he's like, uh, Peter is like, it's, it's like in a dark room. He's watching an old Gwen tape. And then Mary Jane uh, passes by. And like you think, I, and it's like it could be a moment where it's like where she could she could get jealous. She's like, oh, why is he like still hung up on her next girlfriend? Like uh, it could be any of things, but she understands his grief. Like obviously, of all things, like she knows he's, he's Spider Man. So her words are is like I think she says something like, oh, like dinner's ready, dinner's ready, dinner will be ready in, in a second, or whatever the lines are. But her follow up is, and say hi to Gwen for me, and she just keeps walking in through the hallway. And it's like it's so good, it's so touching. I love that moment so much. Yeah, my favorite of those is Daredevil Yellow. Ooh, okay. I really like Daredevil yeah. Yellow. It's it's just, I mean, I've always preferred Daredevil over Spider Man. Yeah. In general, so, and the yellow, it's a it's a the classic suit. Yeah. Color and it's also color you don't see too much in comics. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not it's never like the focus except for like Wolverine. Right. You know. So, uh, but yeah, check those out so you can find out how amazing Tim Sale was. All those were done with Jeff Loeb, just so you guys know. Yeah. So. Um, but I guess that is it. We are wrapping up for the week. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. Those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer list at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. You can also find the show at WHI Podcast on Twitter for all the updates. We'll notify you when each episode comes out, where you can find it, what books we read, and everything like that. And also, I like to retweet a bit of news every once in a while on there. You can also follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter, 
That is our show where we build a musical playlist every single or every other week, excuse me, every other week with our friends based on a randomized category. The most recent episode was a lot of fun because we didn't pick a category ahead of time. We randomly rolled them every time and we had one minute to make a jukebox picked them for us. It was the roulette and it was so much fun. We had a blast. Um, I'm going to do that. I can't wait to do that again. I think it's going to be really fun. And of course, that was with our good friend, Manda. Our next episode which is about a week and a half away from where you're hearing this, is going to be our Pride Month uh, special with a bunch of special guests. We're not going to list them off right now because uh, we're still finalizing everybody, but some familiar faces, some new faces, and I'm just excited to talk about some gay music in Pride Month. I think it's going to be really great. So, um, But you can find every time a Jukebox Vertigo episode hits on a Monday morning, you can find Josue on Twitch. At Josue Plays Josue that evening, where he is going to listen to it. We're going to have a listening party. He's going to give his opinions. He's going to play a game, probably curse at Pokemon Pinball. And, <laughs> Yo, that uh, last one was bullshit. You saw it. <laughs> that sat- Swablu one, I was laughing so hard. Like, I was like, it's going to go straight down the middle, and it's going to keep missing. Anyways, we're not going to get it. So, yeah, check him out at Josue Plays Josue. Um, and yeah, there's lots of different rewards on his thing where you can uh, make him hydrate or you can pick a book to make him read. Yes. Uh, so if you really want to make him read a really bad book, that's how to do it. So, uh, but <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. As always, we really appreciate you guys. Don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.